let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are three years old, mate. It's our three birthday. Years old. I can't believe it. Where did the Ooh. last year go? I know, it's absolutely flown by, isn't it? It's nuts. Probably nuts how quickly it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, three episode, years ago. what was it, episode 70, Marmite. Yes, yeah, that, that was a year ago, uh, well, almost a year ago to the date, yeah, because yeah, we don't we don't specifically have a date for our birthday. No, it's, it's a time it's, of year. It's the it? beginning of September yeah. when, when we released that first Opinions show, but here we are three years in, mate. Three years in, and we should celebrate with a beer. We should, cheers. Cheers. Let's, um, let's get straight into it here tonight. First, first up um, tonight is uh, one of our... Tesco selection. So we'll have a little taste and then we'll talk about what it is. There's a right funk on the nose of that. There is. It smells like a barnyard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very I think it's a very nice uh, funky nose, but again, we have slightly different starting yeah. points for this anyway. So, um, with the money that you had to go and spend in Tesco, Steve, uh, one of the beers you picked up was from Brewdog, from Overworks, their Funk Punk, 5.5% wrecked fermented IPA, which has been in folders. Excellent. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, I absolutely love the flavour of this beer. I, I, I really enjoyed it the, the couple of times I've had it before. The, the, the flavour isn't overwhelmingly funky. No, but there, there's enough still get there. A bit that the bubble gum seems to really work. You know that bubble gum, but I don't know if you get as much now with punk. But no, it's definitely I think prevalent. 2011, 2012, when I first discovered it, really works with the funky aspect of the beer. Yeah, I mean it's it. Everything, everything is balanced with this. It, it really works in everything works in proportion to, to what's going on. Like, like I say, you get that you get that funky flavour. You, you get certainly some of those um, yeasty esters going on in there. You, you, you're getting all of that in the flavour, and then let it rest for a while. Let it sit for a while, and there's no polite way of saying this, but when you bring up a little bit of gas, a, a, a little bit of a burp. You get punk IPA. Yeah, I it's, think it's, it's so weird. I think it's uh, I think it's a really nice. I think you know, at five pounds for a five hundred milliliter bottle of a beer, which you can then effectively age for another four years, yeah. three to four years, that's available on the shelf when you go to do your grocery shopping, is pretty amazing. And again, not saying one way or the other, but it is still amazing. I can't I I can't have imagined at the beginning of my my journey into craft beer, but these kind of stuff that would end up there. I would, I would never. When, when, even when Brewdog said they were doing the Overworks beers, I would never have said that you would ever have been able to have bought one of them in Tesco's. No, but a masterstroke to get this particular one in there. Yes, because it's 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 branding that people are familiar with. Yeah, it's it's that blue and white branding of of of, of punk. So that's already been in Tesco for. What twelve plus years, something like it's that. Rec- it's recognisable. Yeah, a- absolutely. So you straight away you'd, you'd you'd give it a chance, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. If you like punk, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's, arguably, I'm not sure how much of a chance you're taking it five pound. No, but and and that's that's partly part of tonight's show as well, isn't it? In in, in terms of certainly the beers, um, you set me a challenge. Yep. Which was to go into a single Tesco store. Yep. No cherry picking from um, a selection of six stores. Yep. As though I was doing my weekly shop, yep. And as part of that weekly shop, I had twenty pounds 
to, to spend on beer. So I managed to get... We went crazy for our birthday. A whole £20. <laughs> a whole £20. No expenses spared. Might be, might be £22 for, for, for next years year. years old, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I came out with six beers, which, which I was quite happy with. Which were, and and I, think, I think the six beers, what they, what they demonstrate is that the, the Tesco have absolutely nailed it in terms of the breadth of their offering now. There, there is literally a style of beer for everybody on, on their shelves now. I think, yeah, and they've got sub-styles. Yeah. If we look at the IPAs we've got, we've, we have got three IPAs out of six beers, but they're three different IPAs. Yes. The, again, it ticks every IPA box. Yeah, so, you know, I'd have to say that uh, I'm looking forward to going through the beers you've got tonight. Well, only one or two of them have I had before, so it should be a nice little journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, forward, I'm looking forward to them all. And I, I think much like yourself, I've had... I've had a couple of them, um, but largely on the whole, I think I actually think half of them I've not had before. So I've, I've had three before. The other three will be new to me mm. tonight. So I think it's a nice for us. It's a nice combination because, you know, I say we, me and Michelle do order from the same supplier. I like the way supplier, um, Beer Central. So we cherry pick a few beers every now and again, fill up the box, pay it, gets delivered to us in in bomb proof wrapping, and but I can go shopping. And while I'm get to the end aisles, I've filled up my trolley with all the essentials of life. I then go and have a look at a few luxuries, and there's quite a variety of them there in Tesco. There is, yeah, you've got so much choice right now, yeah. and a lot of them included in various offers. Yes, as, as, yeah, as, yeah. as well, which makes that price point even sweeter. Yeah, definitely as, as, as well. But we can we'll dive in and out of that as we go. Along. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So while we're enjoying our funk times, punk. Um, Let's have a little look back just over the last year. So, as you said, uh, episode 70 was our second birthday show, which we called uh, Marmite, which was essentially, I think it was based on um, what's your Marmite beer? Yeah, so that was a question from Miles Lambert. Yeah. Um, Since then, uh, a year on, we've released 26 shows uh, over the past year. On those 26 shows, we've done 135 beers. Drink responsibly, listeners. <laughs> Which is, on average, five beers a show. Um, yeah, our average has picked up since the first <laughs> just Just a little bit, yeah. We've had 17 guests join us in, in the last year. In, I'm in, surprised in one that. I would, I, would, I would have probably not even gone double figures. No, there's well, there's a couple where there were I suppose we few. did. So the Guinness one, we had three, four, four, four guests in total. Yeah. Uh, Crimbo, post-Crimbo Crawl. Three guests. Yeah, so that's seven yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also over that time, so in, in, in the past year, we've had 23, uh, around 23,000 downloads as, as, as well of the, of, of the show. So that's that's quite a lot of downloads. That's, that's quite a lot of people listening to what's us. What's that? Average about 900 to 950 per show, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Which is where, which is where we're averaging out. So it's, it's been a pretty good year, really, in terms of... I just still can't believe how much it's flown by we've done I know it has absolutely flown by and some of that might be down to some of the little trips that we've had as, as, as well so I've, I've, I've looked back over these uh, in the last year we've got to go to Dublin to the International Stout Festival yeah which we were guests of um, Guinness and Diageo which we were very grateful for but we had a great time we thoroughly enjoyed that um, the chance to talk to some of the people and you spent pretty much the whole part of a show not saying anything because you were so transfixed with what one of our guests was talking about. Yeah, I mean, but it was fascinating listening to Evelyn talk about the what, the Guinness archive. You know, so much history in that place. Yes. Regardless of what people may or may not think about Guinness and Diageo, that amount of history there. Just delving there. into that history, yeah. It's fascinating. Perhaps, uh, absolutely. And it felt so real because you was 
in the, on the site. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that as yeah. well, but I, one of us had to keep the, the, the show going. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did join in the second half. Yeah, eventually. I came out yeah. after the, the half-time team talk. <laughs> I came out and I was back firing again. Yeah. Um, we went to Bristol for, for last year's Crimbo, Crimbo Crawl. Crawl. And, you know, we're already talking about this year's one. Well, yeah, it's, it's, we're already, we're about 90% planned for, yeah. for this year's one now. We're just waiting on confirmation from a couple of but, places. But, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it is Manchester. And the pre-Crimbo Crawl is at uh, Steve at Bionovo is hosting us the night before. Yeah, Friday the 6th of December. Yeah, main, the 7th. The main crawl on the 7th. On the 7th. So, um, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, that was, again, I haven't been to Bristol for years. It's the first, first time I've been. I've only ever been through it on the train on the way to, to, somewhere to, else. to other destinations. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been to Bristol because I made mine used to be at university there. So we, we are going back a few years. But, you know, very enjoyable. You know, a couple of shout outs, you know, lost and grounded. Oh, absolutely. Looked yeah. after they us so well. After us. I mean, just opening their doors was enough for me. But then they gave us tours and tastings. I was quite happy then with them just opening the doors. Yeah. I would have been quite happy just to have sat and listened to Alex talk yeah talk. Um, um, so that they, was, they went above and beyond that was really yeah. good so that, that, that was very good I mean, that, and that take, that's Christmas already I know yeah so yeah <laughs> um, we did um, the show with Nick from Beavertown where, where, where we spoke about art and artwork where mm-hmm. we had a great time uh, and that, that, that show was really well received as well people quite enjoyed um, certainly Nick's perspective on how, how he, he oh, approaches yeah. things it was an excellent guest it was just like a little bit different as well for us yeah a little bit different because a long show it was a long <laughs> show um, so blame Nick obviously <laughs> yes that's not us it wasn't anything to us it's not like we go on forever um, but I just thought his take on things was a little bit different he knew different people he knew some of the other artists who work at some of the yeah. other breweries I found it quite fascinating actually and and it was nice to be with someone from a brewery who wasn't necessarily involved on the brewing side but had been with Beavertown since very early days yeah and had grown with them as well so yeah I, I, it was it was a nice little balance that evening yeah. nice little balance um, before you move on I want to leap into one we did before that okay the one which we did with Jane Dowdswell oh yeah 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 the comedian um, really nice chap um, he's already listened to the show um, had written the book about the perfect pub, um, which I, f- I found a very enjoyable read, actually, but nicely light-hearted, but plenty of facts in it as well. That was a, that was definitely a highlight for me. Was having that that conversation with him that evening, and that was at the London studio. Yeah, J- James James, great guest. Uh, yeah. you know, really knowledgeable about beer as yeah. well, and 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 kind of more the pub side of passionate the about the pubs, but knew it because he'd grown up. Yeah. Yeah, and and also turns out he's also a massive advocate of the show now yeah, as well. He's, yeah. a, he's always giving us shouts out. So. Yeah, no, but James, we know you listen. Thank you um, very much for your ongoing support. It is very much um, appreciated. Yeah, and I'm sure at some point in the future there'll be opportunity for us to, to get together again. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we that's that's definitely one we'll re- yeah. revisit. Um, we also went to Manchester. We spent the day in Manchester with as almost as what well, turned out being as guests of Marble. Yeah, re- really, wasn't it? We went up thinking we were going to record a little bit. We us with them and they properly looked after us for the they day. got us drunk they, they basically got us drunk yeah That's, that was basically it. we were in we were in manchester for about six hours and, and they made us drink all the marble beer yes all of it now i don't I, i'm not sorry <laughs> and if that <laughs> happened and it was a really i mean we were lucky with the weather that day as well um so we saw their new their new setup but just i know that they've had that break in very recently as well 
um, at the tap room. And that looks like it's coming on nicely. We saw that right at the start where they were developing that tap room area. Yeah. Um, the brewery looks fantastic. Some of the beers they're churning out, some of their more their modern styles, their trials. Um, having a pint in the Marble Arch again is always a pleasure. Um, and then just really the the, the other thing I, I suppose, and or sort of one of my final highlights in terms of the shows was uh, the the collab that we did with Riverman Brews. I, nah, I, I, I hate I, it. <laughs> you know what those two are like. I I always enjoy doing collabs with other beery podcasts. It's it's great to kind of be on um, either the other side. Of, of the fence or having a coming together with people mm. and it's it's just great to see how different people work and interact and and, and that was certainly a bit of a highlight for, for for me as well yeah no that was good fun uh, i've got one more highlight but it's not an away day it was more one of the shows we did which okay. I, I wasn't sure about um the fantasy pub crawl all oh, right yeah 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 um i thoroughly enjoyed doing that really enjoyed Working we just out. let our imaginations go, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, uh, working out where we wanted to go to. Because I think we, we purposely chose places we had been, didn't we? Um, so we did that. People got engaged. People joined in. I thought it was really good. I mean, that, that one you could easily revisit. Yeah, and I, I think that's spawned a few people have gone off and they've kind of written about their own fantasy pub yeah. rules as well. And, Which is brilliant. And, and put blog posts up and it's it, it's great, you know. that's Maybe one we'll revisit again another day looking at it from a slightly different style. Yeah, I think, I think there's there's mileage in that one. You could do it, you could limit yourself to a, a city, a country, yeah. or tap rooms, cast places, craft, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's definitely play, things you could play a bit. You can just go on and on with playing with that one. Yeah, way, and, and new yeah. places come up. Yeah. A um, couple of other things. Uh, we were obviously um, very honoured to, to win the British Guild of Beer Writers Award. Yeah. Uh, the Beer Citizen. I, love, I still love that title. I, I, I know. How we haven't got that on t-shirts yet, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, um, that was obviously uh, a bit of a surprise um, that, that we, we picked it up. Obviously having put nominations in in the previous years and I'll, I'll, I'll say it, I began to get a little bit disillusioned with the process because I just don't think that everything else that we did around the show was necessarily being recognised. Um, so it was nice when, obviously, you went along and, yeah, and then it came up that yeah, we, we, we had won it. We had a bit of a chat about it last year and yeah. I, I think you were very much on the, no, not going to bother. And I was going, no, let's, let's do it. Let's pitch it, see how we get on. And yeah, it was, it was A, it was a wonderful evening. Um, being there as well, sharing, sharing the moment with other people, um, the chance to then share it with you and our listeners when we did the Crimbo call very shortly afterwards, a few days later. And um, obviously we are entering again this year. There's a couple of categories which we're gonna put, we're gonna put ourselves up for. Um, but yeah, and again, I would encourage any other beery podcast who are listening, who are of a mind to do it. The more that do it, the more focused there will be on it as well. Yeah, And that can only be a good thing because the beery podcast world is growing. People are carving their niches. Um, so if you get a chance and you still want to, just so you know, the British Guild of Beer Writers have extended the deadline to September the 20th mm-hmm. as well. Well, it's interesting to say that because that was another point I was going to make in terms of in the last year. We have seen a continued growth in beery podcasts as well. And, and, and that's great. The, the I, I couldn't actually tell you how many there are in the UK right now, but I think we've at least seen another half a dozen that have, that have started in the last year and you know they're all doing very very well everyone's finding their own kind of niche their own thing that they're talking about and I think as um, Simon said on the 
the Beers Without Frontiers crossover collab that we did at Peak Ender, that there's room for everyone. It's it's a space where because of the way that podcasts are consumed, everybody can be part of that space. Yeah, and I, I think the I think the um, what you know what I'm enjoying about it as well. One one thing that does make me smile because we were the same as well is that no one cares about being over the hour. No, that, and that's another thing that I've seen in the last years. No Everybody's creeping up now. Because, you know, people are passionate about it, people are talking about it, and especially if you've got two, three, four people around a microphone, you want everyone to have the chance to breathe while they're discussing things. Yes, it just would, let the conversations go. Two or yeah. three beers, a few adventures, and maybe a guest, you're, you're going to smash the hour. Just do it. I mean, I, I, there's very few podcasts I get through in one sitting these days. The ones, the talk ones I listen to. There are some Doctor Who ones I listen to which go on for three hours. Unless you're, even if you had the three hours spare, you're probably still going to take a break. Yeah. So unless there's some complicated plot line or story arc in it, I can fairly much pick up where I left off. And because you've downloaded it, you press pause, you come back in at the same place. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's you easy, know, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a, and I, I really did like the fact that Simon for Beers Frontage, I think it was him who shared that thing about podcasts, which was from in the Telegraph or something. About uh, oh yeah about the growth and the rise yeah. of them yeah well because we've seen that because if you go to the BBC Sport website um, towards the bottom there's a wealth of podcasts now well the, the BBC have done a big push on it with the release of their BBC their Sounds. Sounds app literally every BBC show you listen to now uh, talk about their own podcast or another show's podcast yeah. or three or four other podcasts. That, that you could listen to and so, so the BBC have kind of picked up on that and they've kind of now put them all in their own app as well yeah which again downloadable yeah They're, you know same as iPlayer downloadable anything which is downloadable is easier to consume than having to do it online whether they be watching or listening isn't it mm-hmm. so yeah. no that, that has really changed in the last year as well yeah uh, a couple more things that have happened in the last year as, as well before we move on uh, there's been some big buyouts or, or, or some sell-ups what, what, buyouts managers minority sales. Magic Rock, yep. Fuller's, yep. Beer Bods, and and one that I never thought I'd hear myself say, which we are going to come on to in the news, uh, Green King. Oh uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> See, yeah, we'll do more in the news. But yeah. yeah, but again, I'm not sure any of those were predictable. Not not immediately, and not without some benefit of hindsight. I, th- I think there was a lot of rumours around. Magic Rock. I think there were rumours. I think some of that slipped out. A lot of people kind of knew that was happening before it was happening. Yeah. I'm not sure about the others. The, the Ful- Fullers and Green King came out of nowhere. Yeah. As did Beer Bods. Yeah. R- really. They all came out of nowhere. And I'm sure there have been others that we've not mentioned there, but yeah, there those, some those ones. were the four that, that sprung to mind. And, and, then, and then finally, and this will kind of close the circle on this quite nicely, is um, we're, we're seeing breweries innovate more. We're, we're, we're seeing, you know, pushing the boundaries constantly. Uh, and alongside of that, what, what we're seeing are the more, what I'm going to call mainstreaming of, of, of beer. So particularly, um, coming back to the theme of, of tonight's show, if you look at what Tesco uh, are now doing with beer, it's, it, it's hard to, I think it would be hard for anybody to argue against the fact that Tesco, are, they've got to be currently the supermarket market leader for their craft beer I would range. say, yeah, because I think that's, I think M&S have had our end of year rewards the last couple of years. Yeah. I would say M&S have dropped down to third for me. No spoilers, but I think, you know, it's hardly going to be a revelation that if we do the, when we do the end of the year show and I say, oh, supermarket, old oh, Tesco, I would say Waitrose after that. 
Waitrose have upped their was, game massively. Up their game, especially yeah. some of those Belgian beers that are going in there as well, which yeah. you never used to see over here, or you could only get from specialist shops. Before we move on to news, we've finished that. We've almost finished up here while we've been rambling on here. We, we have, yeah. I've, I could drink a couple of bottles of these. I, I could actually drink more than one bottle of this. I could drink, well, I, and I have done. On, on a couple of occasions, I, I quite happily would sit and drink a it is, bottle I of this. I think simply a quality beer. I think simply it's a quality beer. I think it has a nice balance between that funkiness. There's still the underlying punk in there. I think they both come out yeah. as well. It um, really dries your mouth out, though. That's the only thing I'm finding. I think, but I think it dries your mouth out. It takes a while to start doing that. It doesn't do it straight away. Yeah. Now, but you've said it, the roof of my mouth is very dry. Yeah, I'm, I'm all around the sides where... And I, I, and I think that's... That's possibly because of the lower carbonation level in it. Um, it's, it's not really lively in, in, in the mouth. It's, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's certainly not undercarbed. Um, there's enough carbonation oh, in yeah, it for what it needs to be. But I think the style of the beer doesn't lend itself to it being particularly fizzy. No, and you'd be surprised it was, but it was well carbonated. It still had a tight head. Oh, yeah, it absolutely. Was more that, um, Almost like the champagne uh, carbonation, the finer bubbles. I mean, we still kept, to coin a phrase that's been used on, a, on a, another beery podcast, um, still kept its lacing for a lot of it. It has, and I'm, I'm just trying to... Um, Remove said lacing. Wash, wash that away a little bit before we move on to, to the next beer. So, for a fiver in Tesco, that's not bad, is it? Not at all. I, I'm, I think your beer number one... <laughs> to, to coin another yeah beery podcast yeah every time I every time I say something like that I, I have rhythm and bruise beer number one uh, come up in my head um, yeah great shout good start excellent so next up um, we've got the, the the North Bruco beer yeah no, this had bypassed me so uh, North North Brewing Co who you know a lot of people do rate I yeah. Sadly, I don't think I've had enough of their beers myself uh, to really comment. Um, I, I haven't largely because they are very hazy, East Coast leaning. As, I just haven't as, seen as, them, to as, be as honest. A but I know what you're saying. So we have Lost Cosmonauts, DDH IPA, Double Dry Hopped India Pale Ale, 6%. Uh, now, regardless of anything else, again, completely different beer to the first one you bought from Tesco. Yeah. Three pound a can, four forty milliliter. You know, it's quite a striking can as well, isn't it? It's black and red. Oh, it's very striking. Yeah, it's very striking. That that must have stood out when you were looking at the cans. It, it, it kind of didn't. It drew me in largely because one, I was like, well, I've not seen that before, and and, and two, just because of the, the the color scheme on that, just really really works for me. But again, you know, North Brewing Co. I mean, North Brewing Co. are still relatively young in terms of being an actual brewery. So it's better to produce enough to go out to at least the Tesco extras. Yeah. Now, now with this one, I I think um, this was actually released into a small number of stores back in April when Tesco first had that big release of yeah. all the new beers, and uh, and I think it's subsequently got its national release after that. I'm I'm sure someone will be able to let us know if that was the case or not. Because I'm sure I remember people saying, oh, I've gone looking for the North Beer and I couldn't find it. And, and now all of a sudden here it is, f- for me, at, at least where I bought the, the, these beers from in Colchester, 
there it was on the shelf. So I'm, I'm wondering if that was a little bit of a, well, we'll, we'll try it in a number of stores. See how it goes. See how it sells, and then it'll get a, a national rollout. Possibly. If it sells well. Well, um, happy birthday. Cheers, happy birthday again. Tropical fruit, you know. Very soft though, isn't it? Yeah. Tropical fruit flavours. Yeah. There's very light because he it hasn't got that it hasn't got a thick body. It's it's really light. There's there's no finish on that for me. There's no finish at all on that for it me. It stops, doesn't it? So yeah. um this is a this hazy hoppy IPA is packed with mosaic and equinox hops and epitomizes what we love about beer. Ingredients water, barley, oats, hops and yeast. So the the main, you know, it's the it's the oats which has given us this bit of a the softness the softness the slightly hazy look to it um but it's still got a very it's, it's still got a lightness to it but yes it just stops it hasn't I'll, got a bitter finish hasn't got a dry finish it sort of stops i, I just want to finish yeah in 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 that i mean it's i think it'd make you drink it quickly though. that's 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 my concern with this is for six percent you could drink this and not even be thinking about yeah. what you're, you, you're you're drinking it doesn't feel like six percent beer does it no it has like i said it's got lightness of touch it's I know we've used this analogy a few times and, and I think we've used it quite recently. It has almost got like that orange squash, orange barley squash yeah. uh, mouthfeel to it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But, but I'd say it's quite enjoyable though. It is, it is enjoyable. I still want to finish though. Uh, I'm, that might come. It, it might be in that first sip, there's an adjustment going on between yeah. the, the funky beer that we had at the start and, and now we've moved on to an IPA. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that comes comes on as as we go through our beery adventures. Yeah. Because it's it's been a while since we've kind of really delved into some beery adventures. And I think that the last show that we did, we recorded it quite a way ahead of when we released it. So we missed a few things that we knew we were doing. Yeah. So, well, let's start off with, we missed Peak Ender. We did, yes. Now, you went to Peak Ender. Yes, I did indeed. We recorded the show, uh, the show pre-Peak Ender on a nice sunny evening in Essex. Yes. And then you went up north. Uh, I, I did, I went to uh, the Peak District and it was almost like driving through a shield, like a bubble. It was, it was clear and it was fine and then it was raining and it was properly raining as, as well. So by the time we got to we checked into our Airbnb, got changed into our wellies, waterproof jackets, that sort of thing. Went over to the showground. Uh, this was about four o'clock on, on the uh, Friday on the Friday afternoon, and it's probably fair to say that the ground was already struggling uh, at, at that point. There were um, sizable. I don't even think you can call them puddles. It was holding um, a lot of water. It was holding it? a lot of water. I mean, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, you know, plenty of people, plenty of people have seen most of the, the pictures, I imagine, anyway. But just the, the scene is basically, you, you've got hills at the back background. It is the show ground. It's on flat level ground. There isn't really that many places for that water to go to. There's, there's nowhere for the water to go to. And apparently it's quite a uh, well-known thing that that show ground does not drain well either which so. is why it's not used for anything else probably other than that being a showground exactly yeah um so so we went in um things were already beginning to get sticky you, you know walking through mud walking through puddles uh the, the 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 rain wasn't helping so we made our way 
um, straight towards. You'll be you'll be proud. We went straight for the cask tent because it's peak ender. It's Thornbridge. There's only you can only have one first beer. Yeah, exactly. Got to the cask tent and it wasn't on. Sorry, Jaipur wasn't on in the cast tent. It wasn't ready yet in the cast tent, so we had to go over to the main bar tent, which was it was it was on cask in there. So um, the the one thing I'll say at this point is compared to when we went last year, where everything seemed to be round the outside of the showground, yeah. they had changed the layout this year slightly. So there was less space in the middle. Um, because they had like they actually had like a food court area, so all of the food vendors were in one area rather than dotted around. Oh, right, dotted around the outside last year. They had they had added a third bar as as well, so obviously taking on back on board all that feedback yeah. from last year. So there were three bars. There was a cask bar. There was an international keg bar, um, and then there was um, basically the main bar, which had a selection of keg and cask. So unfortunately, that main bar was right over the back of of the swamp. Right, so <laughs> if you were wanting to cross from one to the other, you did have to cross you, said swamp. Yes, yeah, and it was uh, it was an effort to, to trudge through all that mud. It, it really was, even when the rain was still coming down. Because it was, it was, I think there was a picture of me by the um, I Love Jaipur yeah. sign where the, the, the water was already above my ankles in the puddle that I was standing in. That was about an hour after we had gone in there on on that Friday, so it wasn't it wasn't easy enough at all. So, eventually got to the the, the bar pint of Jaipur. Happy days, uh, you, you know, very happy after that first pint of Jaipur. Couple more in there, met up with a few people, had a bit of a wander around, made it over to the international keg bar um, because they had uh, Scar City's highlight on in there. Did you have anything else after that? Walked up to the bar to find that there was a glass on top of the highlight tap, and I was like, I literally, it was like my world had ended. At, Did you cry at, at that point? I, I almost cried. Um, it was very shortly removed. They they had obviously already gone through a keg of it and was putting on a second keg. I had a few pints of, <laughs> of, of highlight. I don't really remember much else after the highlight, to be honest with you, on the Friday night. But um, there was a point uh, that the rain was just relentless on the Friday night. That wasn't, the Friday it wasn't. It wasn't stopping. It didn't stop at all on the Friday while the festival was open, no, did it? No, no. To the point where uh, we were in one of the bars and... The, some of the organisers came in with a, a, a loudspeaker and uh, basically said, if you've pitched your tent behind where the music stage is, can you go and move it because the water is rising? And basically your tents are about to wash away. Didn't Laura and Jim... Yeah, that's where they from were From Abbeydale were camped there. Yeah. Didn't I remember Laura saying on the podcast, it sounded awful. Yes. I mean, she, she actually didn't sound too... Too bad about it. I would have been. I think you get to a point where you just suck it up, yeah, and and, and you deal with it. But by the time they so made that announcement, it it was dark, so oh, that was going to be that was going to be a challenge for anybody that had to, to 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 do that. Eventually, though, on 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 that Friday night, the weather did beat us, and and we decided to leave. It wasn't until about half eight, nine o'clock, we left we left the site and we walked back into into Bakewell, and there's um. There's a new kind of micro pub opened up just at, in, in, in the, almost in the centre of Bakewell. So, you know where the Rutland Arms is? The, not the, the one in Sheffield. Yeah, the, the, ho- the actual the, the, hotel. The actual hotel. At the bottom of the hill where... Where the roundabout yeah. is. Um, possibly last year on that roundabout, there may have been a news agents on, on it. There was... 
that that's now a micro pub. It looked so, lovely inside, actually. Well, what yeah, was it we, called again? We went in there. Joiner's Arms. Nice name. Yeah. Went in there uh, on the Friday night. Um, I think I just opted for... They had some North Riding on. And, and I opted for a pint of cast North, North Riding. Um, and it was literally... We just went in there just to dry, try and dry off a little bit. We just wanted to have like a dry drink yeah. sort of thing. Um, and then sort of like I may have had a second one and be, before heading home. Thankfully, waking up on the Saturday, the rain had stopped and sun was out. It, it wasn't like a you know massive summer's day. There were still clouds in the sky and that, but it was warm. The sun was out. Much improved on the day yeah, before. Yeah, Went back over to the festival site and it was basically a quagmire. Um, it was... There was still a lot of water. The ground was holding a lot of water, a lot of mud. They've start. They started to try and put straw down. They, they, you know, hats off to the the organisers. That they've done everything they can try and do to manage this situation. But they've they've put straw down on all the mud. But even so, there's still massive deep puddles everywhere, and it's still a real effort to get from bar to bar. Just just walking through that mud is is, is well, a it real effort. It's start a bit sticky as well, wouldn't it? It, it was very sticky because the water will start to drain off a little bit. Yeah. It'll start to get a bit glue, gloopy, a bit gluey, and and that's what it that's that's basically what it was getting at, at like. But for for me, the Saturday uh, was about there was a couple of highlights uh, at Peak Ender. I managed to get to try the Heartland, the Thornbridge Heartland, which was the English cellar beer oh, that yeah. we spoke about back on the show a few yeah. months months back. Uh, that was cracking. Uh, I mean, it was so refreshing. It was uh, gloriously English in terms of. Uh, the hops that they had used and the profile that it gave, but it just gave this real crisp finish to it. As, as I, mean, well, did, uh, I was very envious of you having that. I'm so, I'm sorry. I, You're I, not sorry, are you? I'm not sorry. No. Oh no, I just just no. thought. I, I you thought you'd throw that in there. Uh, and and then we thought it would be wise to go from that to uh, a twelve noon wonder beyond tasting. Um, now I saw this. <laughs> I saw some of the beers you checked in in rather quick succession. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Wonder Beyond only do 440 milliliter cans. They do. And was it a can per person? No, it was basically uh, a can between two. Okay. The, the way they were pouring. Okay, so it's still for a tasting. Yeah. Well, and this is one of their free tastings, isn't it? Free, free tasting, yeah. Um, um, so what did you have, Steve? You had three beers. I know you said one there, but... Yeah, there was the, oh, I've got to try and remember what they are now, uh, Elysium, which was the 11% Imperial Milkshake IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you have to forgive me on the names of the others. Uh, they were all above 10%, though, weren't they? It was, it was, basically, it was 9, 10, and 11%. Between midday and one. Yes. Uh, to be fair, though, um, Dan, who runs the brewery, uh, did say in his opening introduction, please drink these beers slowly because they're, they're, they're big beers. We don't just want you necking them. Um, we're going to come into the audience and chat to you while you're drinking them, but take your time over them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fair to say that I came out of there feeling slightly lightheaded. Um, so we went off from there and had some, had some food in the, in, in the food area. Um, again, just just met up with some some people and we're just enjoying some beers and but it got to about it got to about two three o'clock and sort of like the people we were with were, were just like should we just go to the pub 
and I think there was an overwhelming yeah let's let's just go to the pub because the the, the constant trudging between the bars to try and find different beers just just became too much and and we just wanted to be able to sit down and enjoy a beer so we went back into town and um, went back to the joiner's arms and basically had the afternoon in there um, and then we, we were just about to, to to leave to go and get something to eat and uh, the couple of the casks changed over and one of those casks was marble pint and I was like I can't I, go now I actually can't go now I have to drink some it's of not, that it's not legal is it no no so a couple of pints of, of marble pint Emma and I went for a, a wander around uh, Bakewell had something to eat and then went back to the Joiners Arms for more pints of pint before we went back but it was um it was a you know it was a, it was a great day and we, we didn't unfortunately we didn't end up going back to the festival um and i think personally for me i, I didn't really embrace the weather and i didn't really want to embrace the weather I, I was kind of done with trudging through muddy puddles to get everywhere i i, I just wanted to have a nice quiet dry pint somewhere yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I mean, even taking aside from the weather, I usually get to a point in the festival where I do want to just go to a pub. Yeah. You and, know, and the I, constant I... moving about between, even if you're indoors at a festival, the constant moving about between different places, the queuing, whatever it might be, there comes a point usually where I think, I'm just quite happy going to a pub. Well, well, on that on that Saturday afternoon, we were with uh, Simon and Vicky from Beers Without Frontiers. We were with Danny the, at the Owl Lady. Yeah. She, she was there. Our Midlands correspondent. Yep. And we were with Mark Johnson and Caroline, his partner, yeah. were there as well. And we were all chatting and we were like, everybody in our little group were like, should we just go to the pub? And everyone was like, yes, yes, please. Let's let's just go to the pub and, and enjoy some beers. So, 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 so off we went. But... You know, lots lots of people embrace the weekend. Uh, I've listened to lots of feedback. Obviously, you can hear a lot of it on that Beers Without Frontiers peak ender special. Um, you know, some people saying the music was too loud. Uh, I couldn't really comment on that because I, I didn't. Re- I've got to say, I didn't really. I don't think I spent enough time at the festival to really be able to make a judgment on whether the music was too yeah. loud or not. But there seemed to be a lot of people enjoying themselves. There seems to be a lot of people in all of the bars. Um, apparently, somewhere in the region of fifteen thousand pints were, were were drunk over the weekend, so which a fair, is a fair amount of liquid being passed. That, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of pints to be drunk. That's a lot of people staying on that showground drinking those beers. Um, would I go back again next year? I'm not sure, actually, and I don't think that's the weather that, that that's done that. I'm just not sure. As 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 great as an event as it is and you've got all of the talks and everything going on and the music and everything going on around it I'm just not sure where the appeal is for, for it for me now in, in terms of maybe it was the weather because last year we had a great time and last year we said oh I'd love to just stay here I'd drinking like, in the sun all day yeah, long I'd, I'd love to come back because you you know your children are definitely a few years younger than my son is yeah. and so we got to a point where we naturally had to start thinking about them we could just think about ourselves the whole time yeah. um i think i would like to make a revisit as a punter because obviously when we went last year we we were recording in the afternoon so we lost those first two or three hours when it was a bit quieter as well and then by the time we'd finished that's when all the queues were yeah. wherever blazing sunshine wasn't it um but I mean, is it, but I suppose it's a trek for us i mean derbyshire isn't exactly on our doorstep no it's and it took us it took us what Three and a half hours to get up there. On, yeah. on, so it's on, a drive. On, on, it's a drive there, drive. drive back. You know, but you're going to be driving 
on the day after you've been to a an all day beer fest also it plays a bit of a yeah. thing on your mind as well um but like you i've seen plenty of positive feedback about oh this absolutely don't don't, don't yeah. get me wrong i mean the the uh, i think the firstly the way the site was arranged was much better the the, the on-site team did an amazing job of doing their best to make the ground yep. safe for, for for people um they've, they've clearly thought about the problems that they had last year in terms of the queues by adding not only a third bar but there was also um there was a Formbridge van in the food area that was selling bottles and cans and also um a couple of kegs of, of, of beer as well Brilliant. and and by all accounts there were plans to have almost ice cream vendors going out around the site with cans to sell i said i said that last year didn't yeah I? yeah should had the weather lent itself to it but yeah. um yeah i mean I'm, I'm not saying i'll never go back i i, I think i i would go back in the future but i think part of my decision making will be it's got to be a sunny weekend yeah for, i think for, i think the other, i think the other thing is um we've we're pretty similar to this we tend to do festivals maybe a couple of times and have a break anyway yeah so I don't think it would be unnatural to have a break given the distance as well. Um, I would definitely like to revisit. However, I'm glad. Oh, I think I dislike bad weather more than you do. Anyway, I'm glad I wasn't there. Yeah, it's like I said, it wasn't horrific. It, there, there was no point where I was like, I just want to go home. The, the Friday was getting a bit much, but you, you know there was enough tent space for people to stay dry in in the tents. But but you know what that's like. It's it's the middle of summer. It's it's raining. But it's still warm. It's still hot. So, so that that there was almost like kind of a mist yeah. in, in the tents just because of the humidity. Um, but but no, like I say, great. I, I had a great time. Re- really enjoyed myself. Um, I do want to give a massive shout out to, to, to Simon and Vicky from Beers Without Frontiers for invite, inviting us on to the the podcast that they did with the chef uh, Sheffield podcast team, which was you, you know we've spoken about that before it's a, a great little episode and again there'll be a link in the show notes to that if people haven't listened to it yet in fact why haven't you listened to it yet finish this and then go and listen to, to that if you've not listened definitely it's very, it's very it. enjoyable listen um, but also it, it was nice to catch up with a few of the guys from the Thornbridge team as well so managed to see both of the Simons and both of the Jameses as well oh brilliant um, uh, the, one of the Jameses first time I've met him who came over and was one of those I recognise that voice. Um, so, um, hi James, if you're listening to this, nice to catch up with you, mate. Uh, great job on, on what you did on the weekend. So while I've been up in the um, Peak District, uh, moaning about mud and um, basically avoiding that by sitting in a micro pub enjoying the great beers that they had on, <laughs> uh, what, what have you been up to, mate? I, I, I decided I was a bit more local. I mean, the, the main reason I didn't go this year wasn't because I had some sort of foresight about the weather. is because it came in between... Uh, to my wedding celebrations. So, you know, talking about events this year, getting married, honeymoon, then I went over to Ireland. So the weekend in between was a bit of a less. I still went out because I had Michael that weekend. But before that, I think the day after we recorded the last show, um, I went to a local brewery's tap takeover at a local pub in the South End, a pub called Craftwork. Um, and it was the Leon C Brewery's second birthday. So they've done a couple of celebrations as well. And they had six of their beers on. Now, Craftwork is just a um, cake, bottle, can, doesn't mm. do any cask. 
and Leon C had six keg beers on. Oh, nice. Which I was massively yeah. impressed with. Um, and uh, bumped into one of the guy, one of the brewers from Hamilton. He lives fairly local as well. Um, so shout out, shout out to Rob from Hamilton. Got to talk to a couple of the other locals and stuff. And uh, we've met the guy who runs Craftworks. He came along to one of the bottle shares in Chelmsford. And got talking to the guys from Leon C as well, who uh, we'll be chatting to later on this month as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But a couple of highlights. They had the Legra X. So Legra is their Citra Pale Ale, sessionable around about that 3.84% mark. Um, this was 6.3%. Okay, so a bit of a double version of it. Yeah, almost. it was an amped up, definitely an amped up version. Still had masses of drinkability though. Dangerous drinkability about it. But you could tell it was definitely had that bigger body. Definitely had that bigger body about it. Very, very nice at 6.3%. Very sensible, I just did halves of everything. Until I got to the 9% beer where I did go for a third. So their SS9. I thought you were going to say, well, I went for a pint. I went for a pint. <laughs> very sensible, <laughs> did, all did the time. <laughs> until I got to 9%, yeah. then I got a pint. Um, and the SS9, which is their, I think it's a really, really wonderful stout. This was their espresso version. Oh, lovely. And it came through in waves, the espresso. One of the best espresso type beers that I, I personally have tasted and stuff. It had, it ticked so many boxes and I really hope they've got some of it left when we go to record there at the end of the month so you can sample it as well because I think you'll find it an amazing yeah. beer. Really impressed with it. Nice little atmosphere in Craftwork. First time I've been there. You know, we, we've said before about certain parts of our our county in Essex that you know there aren't too many things there's a few things starting to turn up in the south Essex where I live now Craftwork is definitely one of them they're one of the bars who are they commented on the uh, when we did about cash cashless they are cashless it's about, it is only card or watch or phone but definitely no cash yeah um, nice little setup. there was a nice atmosphere that evening on the Thursday evening and um, you know if you're in the area and you are looking for a few south Essex haunts to hit up or you're down in South End for any sort of break, then it's definitely worth a visit, I would say, craft work. Um, not too far from the front either, really. Yeah. Five five minute walk or so. I've, I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to the, the show that we've got playing with Leon C. Brewery. I think they're doing some, I, th I think they're pushing some of the boundaries, certainly from an Essex point of view, that haven't been pushed yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting with the guys and understanding what their ethos is behind that. I'll go back to one of my earlier sentences, six keg beers. Yeah. So just to start with that, they had six keg beers on. I, I don't know off the top of my head, anyone from the area who wants to correct me, feel free, of six varying styles. They had the, the, the Legra, the, the Espresso, they also had a Rhubarb Saison, they had a Brute IPA. So they, they had a variety of beers on there and they were all good. Yeah. Did really enjoy them. I just decided to highlight a couple of them really. But yeah, really looking forward to chatting to them. They're really down to earth as well. But they've got some pretty decent views about stuff as well. Excellent, looking forward to that. Yeah. And uh, not happy with just doing a second birthday party. I decided to go to the Hamilton fifth birthday party. Oh, it's, it's, it's everybody's birthday. It's everyone's moment, birthday. It? Yeah, it's, no, it's they, like we, none of them threw a party for us. We, we sit quite nicely between Hamilton and Leon C. There, exactly. So, I mean, I get regular updates from Hampton as I did do the crowdfunding. So, again, similar to the beer merchants, you crowd, you crowdfunded the tap room, whatever you put, they doubled it. So I've still got money on my tap card at the moment. So took Michael down there, bumped into Mr. Curtis. He was a chief announcer, compare for the day, because um, uh, his partner, Diane, works there. So I think she called in a favour. 
needs someone who's used to speaking to people. Oh, well, look what I've got. I've got Mr. <laughs> Matt Curtis. Um, so that was nice to have a little catch up with him. We had a bit of a football and cricket chat as well. And um, we had, it was just an, I do like the Hampton Tap Room and they've got a nice little mezzanine level, which uh, me and Michael were sitting in. Um, again, it was nice weather on the Saturday in London. They had a nice turnout. There was a good amount of people outside. They had, um, as is the want with these kind of places, there's some street food outside as well. And um, tried a few of their beers. So one of them was the Transaction Declined, which was what I would like to call a straight down the line IPA. So when I say that, I mean sort of more West Coast leaning, 6.2%, really very drinkable, very balanced. Um, and then they had a amped up version of their Crunch. This is their peanut butter. Yeah, stout. stout. Peanut butter milk stout kind of beer. Which basically tastes like, from what I recall of it, Snickers in a glass, okay. Very similar to that. Yeah. Um, slightly lighter body than might you might say, say with um, our cease and desist beer. Uh, this was called Crunchier, and this was 9.1%. Oof, that's quite a step up. That was the, quite a step up. From the um, standard version of it. Very tasty, though. Still had those quite qualities and stuff, slightly thicker mouthfeel. I was going to say, was it thick? It must it, have it been did feel a bit, It must have been really thick. Felt a bit more viscous, had that, left, left that sort of lining on the glass, you know, the sort yeah. of one you get with like a, a deep red wine as well. And, um, but still had those qualities, still had that peanut butter coming through. Very, very tasty. And it was a nice little atmosphere. I mean, uh, we, st- we were probably there for about, because again, feels like a bit of a free day when you've got a tap card. <laughs> um, and I think it was like, they did it on Eventbrite. It was about seven pounds and that got you a, a tote bag, a can of beer and a guaranteed pour of Crunchier as well. And then the chance to buy it when it comes yeah. out in small packages. Uh, we went on to, um, took a little wander, ended up at Craft Beer Co. in Islington, which I have to admit, I've never been in the Craft Beer Co. in Islington on a Saturday afternoon, and it just felt like a local pub. It was lovely. Because it was nice, it was quite quiet inside. And they've got these great big leather armchairs, and me and Michael just sitting there. And then Michael cracked me up that day, because Craft Beer Co., anyone who knows, it's a good range, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a decent range of keg, cans, bottles, and a decent range of cask. So normally, what do I, I gravitate towards the cask. And then Michael spotted something, said, oh, I suppose you're having that then pointing to the colonel <laughs> you can always pretty much guarantee a colonel being on in a craft yeah. beer coke can't but you? I just love the way that my son knows me well enough that I'm, I'm going to go for a colonel beer despite whatever else might be on yeah so I did have two pints of colonel <laughs> did, did I not see a picture of Michael enjoying a beer though on that on, uh, on yes that he did try actually some of the uh, crunch at Hamilton yeah uh, didn't drink it all but he did have some of it and he had a small drop of cider in the craft beer cone as well okay uh, from Lily's so they had that on there. Because you're in the Craft Beer Co, again, you can ask for thirds. So you just had a third of that. So that was a really nice day out with Michael. And it was a it was a lovely atmosphere at Hamilton. I wish I'd... I, I did want to stay till that five o'clock mark um, because they were doing a hot dog, a dog eating competition. So for £10, you could enter. And then that, for that £10, you could eat up to eight dogs. Wow. Not just dogs on their own. I mean, dogs in the rolls. Yeah. In the, so proper a proper hot dog, and it was a competition. Whoever uh, could for eat. A I know for a tenner, if you, even if you only ate three of them, you're quids in. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the outcome was. That. I didn't see anything on social media about that, but maybe that was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but they had two tap takeovers in a couple of days. Uh, very different ones. One at a brewery, one at a local bar. 
Um, but very enjoyable and a nice atmosphere, which I have to admit, I really do like it when it's like that. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Like, like I say, a, re- a real nice contrast as well between between the two things that yeah. you did. Local in the evening and Hamilton in the afternoon, but I got the feeling that a lot of people who went to the Hamilton one were from the locale as well. So it was almost me coming in to a local, yeah. local area. But yeah, there was a, a good cross-section of people at that as well. When we got there early on, there was you know, families and stuff. Oh, nice. Really nice. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Final thoughts on this beer then, the the, um, the the one that we've been drinking, the uh, North Bruco. So yes. I mean, my initial thoughts haven't really changed much. They may have been a hint of a dry finish the more I got into it, but generally it still had that orange barley squash kind of feel to it. Look, look, do not get me wrong, I did actually really enjoy it, but a bit like you, I want that something to linger a little bit at the end. I. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm I'd, I'd maybe go a little bit bit further. It was it was an okay beer. I I can understand why people might enjoy drinking it, but I, when I drink a beer, I kind of want to know I'm drinking a beer. And but there are plenty of people who don't. I I, I get that. You know, and, and the fact that you said earlier on that it went out to a few places, then it got rolled out to a wider. Area. Oh, there must be. There's there's clearly a market for yeah. it. It's but by no means is it a bad beer. No. It's just not doing it for me. No. There's it. There's a tropical fruit juice element to it and not a lot else. But I think on a, again, that hot, a hot day, if you're outside, you're doing that barbecue, you could easily smash a couple of those without really thinking about it. You may pay for it because it's 6%. Yeah, you could, but that's my worry with this one, is, is at 6%, if you're drinking that like you're thinking it's juice. It's not really telling you it's 6%, is it? No, absolutely not. Right, so before we uh, finish off with uh, Beer Adventures, sorry, there is just one more. Um, beer number three that you've chosen for us for our birthday celebrations from Tesco. Um, this one obviously did get a little bit of a, a hit on social media. So this is New England IPA. A little bit. Uh, okay, classic, <laughs> under, classic understatement perhaps. Massively so. Uh, Brewdog versus Cloudwater, 6.8%. So we, we've stepped up a little bit. Now, and this is called New England IPA, yeah, isn't it? So they're, so not, they're not hiding. They're not pretending. Yeah. I've definitely had a version, because there's been two versions of this, haven't there? We, I'm pretty sure we were sent some bottles of version one, which which we had, which apparently this is... Closer to version one. This is the one. recipe that this beer is. It's, this yeah. is the version one recipe. Now, obviously, there was a few remarks on, on social media about, you know, Cloudwater having a beer in Tesco and stuff. And, you know, it's all intents and purposes, as far as I'm aware, this is basically all done in Brewdog. It's based on the recipe they joined together. But it still does say Cloudwater on there. It does, and it's still got that from the craft beer fan perspective. It's got the Cloudwater logo on it as well, yeah. which is which is quite distinctive and, and would stand out on a shelf if you were looking for it. Definitely. Um I'm not, I'm not bothered one way or the other. I haven't got any sort of uh, particular thoughts on that myself, um, but I know that other people have, and I know that Cloudwater have been fairly, fairly vocal in the past as well. Um, but it's been a little while since I've had it, so without further ado, let's um, let's dive in. I mean, the first thing I will say is the nose on it is oh, the nose huge. is incredible. You can smell the it the minute you crack that can. You, you're getting again the tropical notes. There's lots of mango going on there for me. I mean, basically, it says, just to give the tagline, New England IPA, juiced up and ready to roll. I mean, again, great carbonation on it. 
Now, straight away, I think that feels a little bit drier. It's a bit drier. There's uh, possibly a little bit more pithiness to, to the finish on that. And that there is actually, as opposed to the last one, there is actually a finish on this. So there's a little bit of spiky tingling going on in the yeah. mouth right at the end there. Again, it's definitely very much on the soft fruit side, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, this is this is all, it's, it's tropical, it's stone fruits, it's it's all it's all that sort but of. But what I'm going to say, and I know I've banged on about this, but it still feels like this beer is finished. It is ready to go. Yes. Now, whether yeah. the New England IPA style is my go-to style or not is irrelevant. I still don't, I, this still feels like it's cooked. It hasn't been taken off the boil with 30 minutes left to go. Mm -hmm. It feels like this is as it should be. Yeah. I'm not getting yeast. I'm not getting a burn. I'm still getting what I feel is a complete beer. And I think it's rather nice. I do think it's a bit of a step up from the last one because I think it has got a little bit more going on. It tells me a little bit more that it's a beer. Well, I've, I've got to say, I think it's been an absolute winner for Tesco as, as well, this one, because um, the few times before I actually went, before you sent me the challenge to go in and, and, and get these beers, obviously from kind of the big release date at the beginning of August, I did was popping into Tesco's to see what they had. Every store that I went into, this was empty. So it had, it, it had advertised, but then had the beers. I, I don't think it was that they didn't have the beers. I think They'd it sold. was that they had sold. Yeah, that's what. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, because people have obviously gone for that connection between Brewdog and Cloudwater. I mean, I went into where, where I got these beers from eventually. So the, the, the Colchester store. Um, I went in there on the Tuesday after release, and there was one can of it left on on the shelf. Now I don't know if that was Rich Taylor had just got there before me and cleaned the shelf. It's quite of, possible of, of them all, um, but it's it's definitely been a big seller, and and I think I think that could open the door to so much more heading into Tesco in this sort of style. Oh, very, well, yeah, because. There have been times in the past where we start to see some of these beers reduced quite quickly. They Maybe there isn't the patience sometimes because they're used to stuff flying off the shelves. If these ones have been flying off the shelf, then again, it goes to prove to them, it goes to prove to the powers that be, because ultimately Tesco isn't a charity, they're there to make money. Yeah. So they want, they, if it's sitting on the shelf, it's not making any money. They want it off the shelves as quickly as possible. But also, let's let's be honest. You know, you take into consideration all the arguments around cold chaining and these beers being sat on a ambient temperature shelf. This isn't a beer that's going to do well on a warm shelf over time. No. And um, what I would say though, I mean, having gone into the Tesco yesterday, and it was quite a nice day yesterday in South Essex, and I went into the one near Southend. Um, the shop was at a night was at a nice temperature. I have to admit. Um, and bizarrely, we've never had the conversation, bizarrely, and again, I'm not saying that it's not a serious matter with regard to certain beers, but the conversation about keeping the beers uh, cold in supermarkets never really came up before the crafty versions turned up. No, that's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 for one, certainly have bought slabs of beer in, in my day, in days gone by. I never thought about it. It was off the shelf, fine. And I bought what could be classed as more the traditional beers. I never thought about it. Well, but but like you say, the whole surely the whole store has to be kept at an ambient temperature produce. because yes, you you have your cold aisles, but there are still other produce that won't benefit from from being roasted. cooking on the shelf. No, exactly, it's just wasted stock in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one more beer adventure for me. You, you've got one more to get through. So you? I've already mentioned I went to Ireland. So Michelle and I went to Northern Ireland, which is where I have an abundance of family members. 
Um, so County Down, uh, a small place called Hilltown, which is named quite literally at the top of a hill. Whichever way you go will involve going up a hill or down a hill. Um, so some picturesque and scenic, but tough runs at time when I went out. <laughs> Uh, but beautiful, lovely to catch up with family and stuff. And it was a part of the world I haven't been to for over 30 years. And Michelle hasn't been to at all. So we did a, I had a car hide. We did plenty of driving around and stuff. Took my mum and dad with us as well. Um, but we did have a few beery highlights. And a lot of it was more about the places we went to rather than out and out beer, so to speak. Because we were in a few small places. Northern Ireland, like Southern Ireland, is very much Guinness dominated. So you may see three or four taps on the bar, but ultimately it's Guinness, so you see Guinness. Then there was a lager called Rockshaw, which is a, I'm doing speech marks, quotations, craft, craft lager produced by Guinness, which I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Smivix, which is, you know, Smivix have been around for a number of years, but ultimately is owned by Guinness. And they have like a light, there's a blonde. And as it turned out, I drank, quite a substantial amount of the Smivix Red Ale. Red Ale isn't always my preferred style because it can be a little bit caramelly, a bit too sweet. But it was it was easy, very easy to drink. Probably because maybe it was the closest to an English bitter, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. Um, which is why it appealed to me. Managed to find a few places which had a few offerings. There was a, an off-license behind one of the pubs in the place where we were staying which had some local bottles. Tried a few of them from the surrounding area. They were, they were nice enough. And um, someone, you know, Justin at Matt Schuf, um on Twitter picked up that I was in the area and pointed me in the direction of an off-license called Drinklink in Newry, where I met the owner, Paul. Uh, lovely chap. It was an off-license, so the beer selection was a small amount of what they sell, you know, wine, spirits, etc. But the beers were all in a cool room. Okay. So it had its own like, air conditioning unit. It was at a very nice temperature going in there. And, you know, most of the selection tended to be of the Irish ilk, either Northern or Southern Irish. Picked up a few cans, had a few out there. The standout for me was uh, from White Hag, a 440 milliliter double IPA, 8.5% called Fion, and it was a West Coast style double IPA. Oh, lovely. Really, really nice beer. Um, and unfortunately, Michelle didn't want to share that one. And I drank it before my dad got down to the chalet as well. So I had all 440 to myself. Uh, really nice, and I said it was lovely. So if you are in the Newry County Down area, there is definitely somewhere where you can um, fill your boots for takeaway, mm -hmm. craft beer, less places to go and drink it on site, if I'm being honest. Um, but again, there are some lovely pubs. We went into one pub and they were having like a, a folk jam session with guitars, sitars, tin whistles, singing, and even some sort of poetry as well. Excellent. Fascinating. It was really nice. Like yeah. I said, really lovely to be back. And what, I, what was really nice to see, got to the airport on the Tuesday. Dad said, oh, you know, do you want a beer? Because we'd, like everyone does, give ourselves so much time. I'd already got rid of the car and uh, saw some beers. And I was thinking, well, I've got the Smithings Red on, I like that. So I just wanted to wander around. Um, I got a bit excited because I saw a mat on the bar saying Galway Bay. But I couldn't find any Galway Bay, so I don't know where that came from. <laughs> You know, one of the riders on the bar. <laughs> Excitement killed. Yeah, killed. And then I saw Hope Session IPA. And okay, we've, we've, we've come across that. The... Alltech. No, it was... At, um... Oh, the Irish Embassy. The Irish Embassy, yeah. where they were doing that showcase. And yeah. they had their Session IPA on, and Hope are brewed 
about the same amount in mileage as it was, so about four and a half miles away, it's four and a half percent session IPA on tap. Excellent. At at Dublin Airport Terminal One. I thought, yeah. oh, that is really good actually, but they've managed to get that in there into a you know, an international terminal. Had a couple of pints of that, very nice. Nice nice finish to the trip, I know. It was definitely a very nice finish to the trip. So that is it. So apologies to everyone. There was a little bit to catch up on. Yeah, the, well, I, I think you know it's it's just the way it fell that time. Really, is is that obviously we've we've both been doing things, but because of the way that our recording schedule. Well, that show that show would have covered off my two tap takeovers and your peak ender. It would have done if, if we'd it done it been recorded at, at, at the right time. But you, you know, such, such is uh, the the life outside of the recording schedule. Sometimes. Well, you mean where we actually have to earn a living? Yes, and <laughs> and. Do family things Damn that. As, as, as well. Damn. Uh, let's jump into some news then. And there's just a couple of things this week. So first up is the news that ABI are once again stretching their wings. So um, I picked this story up courtesy of the aforementioned uh, Matt Curtis, who tweeted this out, um, that uh, ABI have basically bought Crew Republic from Germany um via their zx ventures arm mm-hmm. a, a, again um so and and this is the takeover was announced to be live as of the 1st of september uh, the national distribution of crew republic portfolio uh, via zx ventures uh, through a minority stake with the munich based craft brewers uh, operational implementation begins on the 1st of october so I think that's the first time we've seen ABI make moves, inroads into sort of Germany and, 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 and sort of Central Europe, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely the first one I've been made aware of anyway. Um, interesting. They're, I don't see them stopping. Well, I've got to say, Crew Republic are beers that I've never seen before. I, 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 it's, it's a brand that I've not even heard of. I have heard of them, not really seen them much, but I, I, I haven't really seen them over here. Um, so it will be interesting to see... If we start seeing them over here. If we start seeing them in here. Yeah. Uh, anybody want to put money on them appearing... In a beer box? Or in, in a beer <laughs> box fairly soon. Or um, on, 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 on a website fairly soon. Um, for, for, for purchase either um, while we're on uh, sellout news so the news that I, the words that I never thought I'd hear myself say on this podcast are uh, Green King have sold out that seemed well there may have been some people who knew what was going on but that was you know let's be honest we haven't got a massive love for Green King but they have been around for a long time they're older than Fuller's 220 years yeah. In the same that, place. That they've existed. In Barry St Edmunds. Yeah. A lot of people throw in some shade at this one, saying, well, essentially, they've, 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 they've just bought a pub estate. They've bought real estate. Yeah. That's what they... That's what they I mean, it's um, a 91-year-old Hong Kong billionaire at the head of the company. It is, yeah. This. So it's Chinese investor uh, Sin, Sino Fortune Investment, uh, which is Hong Kong's richest family, have bought um, the pub and beer company Green King for $2.7 billion. Um, 4.6 billion including debt or 1 million for every one of the company's 2,700 pubs, restaurants and hotels. Yeah, it was quite a markup on in, the, um, the, the share value as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite amazing really, isn't it, that, that, that this happened? I, I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, Green, I mean, the, the 
previous chief executive Green King had been there for quite a while and he only left, a, well, I thought it was only a little while ago. So whether it's that was part of the move towards it, whether Green King had made overtures, uh, you know, quiet overtures, saying they, they you know, they might be prepared to uh, realise their value. Don't know. I, it was definitely unexpected to me. Yeah. I mean, may not have a massive love of some of the Green King beer range, but there's a, that's an awful lot of pubs and some awful lot of people who work for those pubs. And there is a heritage about the brewery as well. In the statement, CKA want to keep Green King basically as a whole. So it will be a case of business as usual for the time being. However, their focus is going to be on their freeholds. Uh, the market is, and, and there's, there's some suggestion in here that the market has long waited for Green King to shed some of its leased estate. Um, but you've got to imagine that, that, that they will look at that as a whole and say, well, which ones are we going to sell off and which ones are going to be profitable? They're going to look at that. I mean, they're not going to not do it. Yeah. So some will be sold off and will no longer be pubs. And some will be sold off either to other pub co's, because there are some other, other acquisitive pub co's, or some will, might become free houses. Yeah. But there will, of course there will be changes. I'd, I'd love to be able to say at this point that, as, as we always have done with other takeover news stories, that as long as the beer doesn't change, I'm quite happy to keep drinking it. I'm kind of hoping the beer changes. <laughs> So that I might start drinking it. <laughs> they're not going to muck around with the beer. No, no then. Um, I, I hope that you know people who are who who may or may not be affected are looked after. Um, Green King. I, I, what I did, would say is, what I do find Green King pubs generally to be nice pubs. Yes, it's what it's what they do very very well. They do pubs well. Um, it's just where, a shame they sell their own beer in those pubs. There is a shame. I mean, I'm still waiting. Apparently, the bull at the end of my road, which was the one I alluded to previously if a year and a half ago, got burned down. That is due to reopen February, March times. It's going to be interesting to see. They had started to start putting in a few local beers here and there. Be interested whether they still get the opportunity to do that or whether that's not necessarily seen as the way forward under yeah. the new regime as well. Um, well, there's going to have been a lot of investment in the rebuilding, isn't there, that they're going to have to make back? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be interesting what happened, but it was definitely one which came out of the blue. Oh, yeah. Didn't expect that one at all. No. At all. Uh, and then the last news story uh, this week is that Camera have announced their regional shortlist for Pub of, pub of the Year. So this is a uh, shortlist of 16 pubs that have been announced in the search for the next nationwide pub of the year and the winner will be announced next february um each year local camera branches nominate one pub in their area to be entered then those 200 pubs go through to the regional competition selecting the top 16 pubs which then whittles down to the four super regional finalists one of which will become the ultimate winner now i haven't paid too much attention to this but i'm looking at one on there which says east anglia yes the Red Lion. Yep. Preston. I'm not I'm not sure it's that Preston. It can't be. No, I think it's another Preston. Because in my head I'm thinking Preston North End here. Okay. While I read through this list, I'm have, a look. have a quick look and see where that might be. So this this is the this is the short list of sixteen pubs. So uh, and I'm not sure how some of these areas work either in terms of what what their coverage is. So Central Southern, uh, the Bell in Aldworth, Berkshire. East Midlands, Smithfield in Derby, Derbyshire. Kent, the Admiral's Arms, Queensborough, which is a micro pub. Merseyside, Cricketers Arms at St Helens. 
Scotland and Northern Ireland, the bridging peebles. I'm not quite sure why Scotland and Northern Ireland are lumped together. Why, why they couldn't have their own sub-regions. Uh, Surrey and Sussex, the Hornet in Chichester, which is a micropub. Uh, Wessex is uh, the Firkin Shed in Bournemouth, another micropub. Uh, West Pennines, Swan with Two Necks in Pendleton. East Anglia, Red Lion in Preston. And it's the Preston, which is near Hitchin. And Hitchin's over towards Cambridgeshire way, isn't it? Yes. So yes, that would then fall under yeah. East Anglia. That just confused the hell out of me for a minute. Can carry on, sir. I will do. Uh, Greater Manchester, Flying Horse in Rochdale. London, The Hope in Carshalton. Now, we've definitely is, heard about that pub before. Which is a haunt of our current number one fan. Uh, who had you and RCD? Who's given us an open invitation to pop over there? We we must we must take that invitation up at some point and and go visit. Uh, in the northeast, you've got the Grey Horse in Consett. In the southwest, you've got Tom Cobley in Sprayton. Wales has Mansell Arms in Porthrid. West Midlands has Prince of Wales in Shrewsbury, and Yorkshire has the George and Dragon in Hudswell. Good luck to all of them. Good luck to all of them indeed. The, the thing that I want to focus on in, in that list though is, Number that, is, of that, is, is that three of them, so almost a quarter of the entire list of pubs are, are micro pubs. Yeah, I mean they are becoming, well, I'm guessing the Joiner, Joiner's Arms was classed as a micro pub that you, was indeed, you yeah. popped yeah. into a couple of yeah. times. Um, they are definitely, for some people, either the way forward or the only option. But yes, yeah, absolutely. I think if you look, certainly if you look again, look at the Joiner's Arms in Bakewell um, and, and, and chatting to our Airbnb host as well, she was quite open in saying that the town was crying out for somewhere like that. Somewhere that just sold local beer or kind of, you know, craft beer or small batch brew beer. Because Bakewell was, because we went to a Green King pub in Bakewell last year with the kids. We did. And there was, I think there was a, Mar it seemed to record, was there a Marsden's pub in that? Yeah, thing? there was Marsden's as well. So, yeah, I can imagine there would have been. Well, ironically, bearing in mind that Thornbridge Brewery itself is actually in Bakewell, but yet there isn't a single pub in town that sells Thornbridge beer. No, the only place is that hotel you mentioned, the Rutland. Yeah. They, they usually have a Thornbridge on. Yeah. But now, the, I think the Join, Joiners Arms have made a point of having, I think they've got a regular Jaipur cask line. Makes sense. As, as you would. I'm going back to Bakewell. <laughs> just, 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 just for that. Just for that. But, but that leads quite nicely on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was simply uh, micropubs. Love them or not for me. So we had... 839 votes for this one. Huge amount of votes for this. 90% saying love them. 10, only 10% saying not for me. And um, we'll dive into some of those comments um, and, and, and see what people are thinking. So first up, we had Beer Guide London at Beer Guide London. Struggling to understand why anyone wouldn't like them. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly decent shout, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Ash Corbett Collins at Corbett Collins. Some are great, some are average, some are rubbish, same as any pub. 
I'd say I'd probably make sure I visit one if it was new or recommended, but I don't think they're, un they're the unique saviour of the on-trade that some people say they are. I know a few people who have led less than friendly receptions in them due to the landlord lady treating it more like their front room than a true public house, but that's the same with other pubs too. Now, that's a, that was a surprising comment from Ash Corbett Collins, who is very high, uh, he's well connected in camera. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's camera a, director. Yeah, he's a committee member, isn't he? Yeah. Um, because I think definitely micro pubs have definitely been pushed in the camera world. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, they've had the talks, the guy who opened what was considered the first one, was it the Butcher's Hook or something, down in Margate or Folkestone Way, um, that sort of area. The conversations have definitely been about them potentially being the way forward. Because let's face it, what we class as a micropub, most micropubs are cask-led. That, that they are, and I've got, I've got to say, the few that I've been in prior to going to the Joiners Arms um, have not just been cask-led, but they've been gravity-led. Yes, as, well, the one, as, in, as, the one in Chelmsford is. That's, that's gravity-led. The one in Malden is. As, yep. as, as well that's that's all gravity but yeah I mean I I think for me um, I it's maybe a surprising comment from Ash Corbett Collins but I say for me that's probably how I've described my experiences it's a bit of a mix the one I went to in Scarborough I quite liked it but it did feel like I'd come into someone else's area yeah, well, and, and, then and I don't, I don't, that wasn't necessarily from the people serving. It was maybe from the other people who. Well, were in there was there. quite a lot of people that went along that sort of theme as well. So Jamie H at Merchant of Shite, love them broadly though they can be quite cliquey, twiggy little shitholes, but I like them when they're on when they're welcoming with a big fridge full of interesting stuff as well as cast taps. Just having cask on makes it a bit staid. I'm probably breaking a micropub rule there, but bleh. Mm. Uh, Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, having shivered in a few industrial units and, and been ignored by cliques, I try, as I try to buy a beer, I try to avoid. James at James Moosh, my experience hasn't been great. Clientele can be cliquey and unwelcoming to new people, often don't have the facilities expertise to keep beer well and range limited to breweries they're mates with. Not, says, not necessarily ones with good beer, but I'm sure it can be done well. And then finally, Simon at Simon Carbon. At worst, cliquey oddball places with predictable range of cast beer served on gravity dispense. At best, a great alternative to a Thai stranglehold on a town with a welcoming staff and a great range of beer styles. And I would say, I think I've experienced most of those in the ones I've been to. If I am in an area where there is one, I do look to go to it. I, yeah, I, I've started actually searching them out because I, I want to I support think, them. Yes, yeah, they're local. Yeah, they maybe doing something. They're a bit making different. an effort. Um, you know, they have put themselves out there. But I would say the comments from Jamie, Ronnie, James, and Simon, I think, would apply to a decent set of experiences that I've had. Yeah, absolutely. So, on that note, you're just opening another beer, which the listeners wouldn't have been able to have failed to have, to have heard that, that noise. Um, so yeah, probably something you wouldn't find in a lot of micropubs, to be honest. So this is the fourth beer um, from the selection you picked up for our birthday celebration from Tesco Steve. This is a collaboration beer. So again, you know, this is our fourth beer, second collaboration as well. Yeah. And you know, collaborations used to be, oh blimey, you need to be in line getting the queue for those ones. Yeah, you had to really search them out, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Now yeah. it's available in supermarkets. Uh, so. I think we were quite keen about this one once we heard about it. There are a lot of words on this can that tick a lot of boxes. So let's start with some of those. Okay. Magic Rock. Tick, tick. Epic West Coast IPA. Tick, tick, 
Tick. Um, and they're in collaboration with Vocation. Tick. You weren't so sure about that one when you when you saw it come out. So let's, yeah. You know, let's not. And and, and, I'll, and we'll come on to we'll that. We'll come on to yeah. that. But you know this the, the this I I was immediately excited about it. West Coast IPA and it had Magic Rock involved in it. Seven percent. Hops, Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Citra. That's what you want from a West Coast IPA. It's all the C's. Yeah. So. And I've got to say before we dive into this. This was maybe the one style that was missing from the previous launch of Tesco beer back in, I think it was April. Yes, yes, they bought Cannonball in, which is obviously classic West Coast style. Yeah. But you mean from the specials? Yeah, from the big four forty yeah. FOMO cans. Yeah, yeah, because Jaipur is also West Coast yeah. leaning IPA, isn't it? But I know what you're saying. But I am now going to dive in. You okay. stopped me there. Sorry. Cheers. Cheers. That's what I want from a West Coast IPA. It it, it ticks every box for, for me. Now, I've, I've seen that uh, uh, this this beer is quite divisive at the moment on Twitter. There's a lot of people saying it's it's not very good. There's a lot of people saying it's very meh. This is the well, we third do. or fourth time I've had it now. And every time I've had it, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the fifth time I've had it, so I've got through the other four cans I bought. Yeah. Um, we even on Periscope when we we did the pre-show Periscope earlier, we had some comments there, and someone said they'd drain poured it. Yeah. Um, I well, first of all, I haven't had a version of it that would make me want to drain pour it, as in there's no, I haven't had a bad version. No, definitely bad beer. Um, for me, it is the kind of West Coast style IPA I like. Um, it has got a dry bitter finish. It has got even like slight hints of dankness at, at the front as well. It is piney. It's resinous. Um, and it's bitter. In fact, it's bitter all the way through. Yeah. Even if, now. If, if you said to somebody, brew me a classic West Coast IPA, this is what you would want. Yeah. Like, like you said, it ticks all of the boxes. There's there's hints of dankness. There's bitterness. There's big citrus notes. It's as clear as a day. Maybe the one thing that's missing for me is, is, is a nice tight head that holds all, all the way down to the bottom of the glass. Yeah. But given all the other positive aspects of it, I wouldn't mark it down for that because it's not I, I it's not that. flat. I think I think it just this isn't is, holding the head. I, I think this is currently doing for for me, this is currently doing four point five on, 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 on untapped. I'm giving it four point five. Again, we're both biased because we both look for this yeah. type of style. Um but I would eat, if it said West Coast IPA and it wasn't a West Coast IPA, I'd be shouting it out. Yeah, especially being so bold about it's it's an it's not just an, a West Coast IPA, it's an epic, epic. West Coast yeah. IPA. I I I mean, ticks. I think again, and I would say the, the New England IPA from Brewdog and Cloudwater did what it said on the tin. Funk Punk did what it said. This is doing what it said. Yeah. The, I, 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 the I, only I've one which perhaps didn't quite nail, perhaps for me anyway, was the North Brewing Co. Still enjoyed it. Yeah. But perhaps didn't quite do what it said on the tin. The others are definitely doing what they've advertised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really enjoying that. And that will accompany these further comments. So, from John Porter at Pie and Pint. I wrote a couple of articles on them last year. As Ash says, like all pubs, you get the good, the bad and the ugly. But they offer a different entry route for potential publicans and increased consumer choice. So, I'm a fan of the model. I think that's a really good point, actually. I think the model is a lovely model. Yes, yeah. Because some of these uh, places that they take over are disused or underused shops anyway um if you can make it work then i think they can be a lovely place 
maybe they work better in certain areas than others, but maybe that is because of that whole click thing going mm -hmm. on. I don't know. Uh, Miles Lambert, at Miles Lambert, big fan. Love the simplicity and cosy feel you get in them. Get some great characters in them. Very positive from Miles there. I've had the pleasure of sitting with Miles in his local one, which is um, Coppers at Gosforth. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, I think that's when I told you that, you know, we went, we, we got some, there's, there's, they've, they've got a, a massive bottle and can range, but then they've got some taps at the back and you get a beer and then you go out into almost their magic garden where you push, oh, this, yeah. you push this door and suddenly you're inside a container. So I can understand where Miles is coming from if, if that's his, that's his benchmark. That's his experience yeah. of it, yeah. Um, Gareth at Barrel Age Leads, I think given the huge variety in micropubs these days and the variations on what is served served up, I couldn't think why anyone would say they're not for them, which sort of echoes the original comment we had as well from Beer Guide London. I think there's a lot going for them. I think there is. I think there's so much going for them. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. you could say that about you can say that about pubs as well. Uh, Richard Weir at Rich underscore W27. One is a, was in a cracking one in Stratford upon Avon on Saturday, and in a decidedly average on the week before in Weymouth. To say the beer was flat and warm is being kind. Sounds like the kind of place you'd love to visit, Steve. So, so it sounds like he's a man after my own heart. Yeah, flat, warm. The only thing he's missing there is brown. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, a few more comments though from Mark Bennett at Posts Gradually. For me, it comes down to whether somewhere offers enough, comfortable seating, and ideally a decent loo. Very good point. Yes. Preferably without someone sat in it. Tick those boxes and it's a pub like any other. Small size feels like a gimmick sometimes. Uh, I mean, I suppose that's the whole thing about a micropub though, isn't it? And the clues in the title, I suppose. It is, but I've, I've got to say I've got to agree with him there in terms of the toilet. Some of the ones I've been to, you literally feel like you're going into the person's own toilet. Yes. To, to go to the loo and I'm not really a fan of that. Certainly the one in... That the one that I mentioned in, in, in Malden, you have to, to go to the toilet, you have to walk through the stillage area, so where all the beers are kept, and then round the back, and then you're into the house that's on the back of the what was the shop, and then you're into the toilet. And that's like, I feel like I'm in your own personal space here, going to the loo. Yeah, which I can imagine for some people ain't going to be a very comfortable feeling. No, no. Uh, from the real Bryman, Paul Briley, massive fan, and they make traditional pubs up their game. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen that myself. No, I've, I've I've not seen that. But maybe it's happening in some areas. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Maybe we just haven't literally come across that ourselves. Yeah. So um, Jan Rogers uh, from Jan at Marble. Uh, they're they're a profitable and therefore sustainable addition to a market that has often been overrun by pub companies exploiting all too many tenants and landlords. Uh, they also expand the choice of beer available in the area and can help liven up places where local shops are suffering. Yep, and that's what I think the one in um, Chelmsford did. So the the hop shop down at the end of one particular street. Bit of a, a, a boutique-y type of street in places. Yep. A little bit quirky. That's turned up, and it's at the end of it. There's a few other places you can go to. There's a traditional pub. Another, another uh, crafty place has opened up nearby as well. So it starts to create, help to create a little bit of a scene as well. It's a bit of a, de creates a bit of a destination. Yeah, yeah. It creates, you know, especially if you're at one end of a town to the other, one end of a city to the other, apologies Chelmsford, then it does make it worth a visit. Yeah. Uh, Jose V at Jos Viz. 
I've only been to a few in their birthplace in the North Kent coast and overall I like them. It helps that the way my local is laid out is that drinking part of the pub resembles those micropubs. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Hop Hideout at Hop Hideout. We thought about opening a micropub back in 2012 but instead went for a beer shop and tasting room as our goal. Finally got the ball rolling in 2013. Just felt it was more what excited us in terms of beer styles, offering range, serve quality. Felt the original Martin Hiller micro pub, which focused on micro brewed cask ale, was great when done well. And buildings have character and history too. Bit of a, a few little themes starting to come out here. Is yeah, it? can be when it's done well, it can be really good. Yeah, that kind of thing. And I think, and I think that is what that's what I experienced in Bakewell with, with the Joiner's Arms. I think, I think maybe it was maybe a step up from a micro pub. It looked it on the pictures I saw. Yeah, it was more of a more of a bar space, more of a small bar space, yeah. rather than a micro pub. But I think the people in town were very much referring to it as a micro pub. Well, compared to all the other, well, certainly all the other pubs I saw in Bakewell, it, if nothing else, the size of it compared to yeah. those. Yeah, I mean, just just the fact that they had, you know, they had actual cask lines on where, yeah. where there was a pump handle and keg lines. So there's obviously a lot of there's a lot of building work gone in behind the scenes there. I think would maybe suggest it's maybe just one step more than a micro pub. Well, I think maybe it's just the evolution. So whereas the original micro pub was very much a bit more basic, take over a shop front, keep your costs down, don't bother putting in your pumps, you can have your beers dispensed on gravity, that kind of thing. Yeah. Most people would acknowledge that generally cast beer is better served, not necessarily on gravity pulling it through the pump they're taking it just that evolutionary step up so still not quite a pub yeah that little bit of an in-between maybe it's micro pub version 2 yeah you know the, the, the micro pub Martin Hiller version has got to be around for about 10 years now yeah so you wouldn't want it to stay the same yeah because again for all intents and purposes the joiner's arms was in what was a news agent yeah and, and the shop that was next to it so it was still in a shop so if, if that's the criteria they're going by was very much a, shops. It's very much a shop front, isn't yes. it? Yeah. It looks like you could tell it was a shop. Yeah. Previously. Absolutely. So from uh someone you may have heard of before, Mark N. Johnson. <laughs> uh they've bought good, interesting beer to a lot of small local towns that previously suffered due to only having Thai pubs. So positive for beer. However, most feel soulless and lack the stories, history and architecture that I love in proper pubs. And we know that Mark is a massive fan of a proper the, the pubs. Pub, yeah. And yes, he's probably right. But if you are in a bit of a beer desert or a tide beer desert, then it probably is still a bit of an oasis, I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah, very much so. From Sarah Clark at London Hammer. I'm a huge fan of them. When they are at their best, they are a real asset to the community. I love the emphasis on the beer and the conversation. I'm lucky as in West London, I had the fantastic Dodo Micropub and the Owl and Pussycat. I love the Anchored in Worthing as it was so homely. I think Sarah's commented before and also mentioned those three micropubs before. Definitely meant the Dodo. In, in, in relation to another poll that we yeah, did. Yeah, Dodo and Owl and Pussycat, I definitely remember them yeah. being mentioned. So she's obviously a very much an advocate. She's a big fan. Yeah. Big fan of them. So, and then from uh, Points of Brew, at Points underscore of underscore brew. If they're done right, then they can be great, but that goes for tap rooms, bars, and pubs in general. If done right, then only having a few lines on at one time will be enough to attract people if the service and atmosphere is reflected too. 
That's true. Yeah. So how many how many how many uh, pumps? How many taps did you have available in the joiner's arms in total? Uh, I think there were four cask and maybe six keg. Oh, that's good though. So ten a, taps. A, a good range. And the Saturday afternoon was busy. There was a lot of traffic coming through. The Friday night was busy. Uh, they generally had two staff on at all times. And you know, if you had to wait a bit for your beer, you had to wait a bit for your beer, and no, nobody was complaining about it. Oh, so it was, sounded like it had a nice atmosphere in there. It had, as well. had a very nice vibe, very nice feel. And that's well. important, well, and that sort of comes from the the people running it, the people working there, doesn't it? As well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then finally, last comment from Rach at Look at Brew. Uh, micro pubs get a big thumbs up from me I think they're great for injecting life into high streets and spaces that otherwise might be a bit sad or a bit empty I think that's a good point as well um, I think it's been some really good points I think feels overwhelming I mean the voting was obviously very much love them yeah. 90% versus 10% um, the comments generally reflect what people how people feel about a lot of pubs as well if you do it right I like it there are definitely advantages to them opening up in certain locations where something may already be missing from that mm-hmm. location. Entry to market as well. Personally, I'm very much in the camp, but I think they're a positive when done right. Yeah, I'm, and, I, and I'm going to agree with you, and I'm glad for once we've actually put our own opinion into this. Yeah, as well, we do because forget we always sometimes. forget it. Yeah, yeah. As always, loads of great comments um, for, for, for that poll. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes to. The original question, if you want to click on that, you can go through and read all of the comments. Uh, If you want to still get involved, use the hashtag opinions and we will find you and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. But before we get into your comments on previous shows, let's get some final thoughts on the Vocation and Magic Rock Hang Loose Epic West Coast IPA. I'll be buying more. I'll be buying more. I'll be buying it until they don't sell it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a glowing endorsement right there. Yeah, I am curious. For From the, two West Coast lovers. Yeah, I am curious though for the people who didn't like it, what it was they didn't like. So yeah, if feedback. Anyone, feedback please on that because... We are starting from a slightly biased uh, point of view, and as much as we like to be as honest and objective as we can be, our starting point is we believe we'll like it anyway. Mm. So I'm just curious to know what other people think. Absolutely, yeah. Just use, use that hashtag opinions and, and, and let us know what you think. Now, so we've done an IPA, an IPA, and an IPA. And we've done a funky beer. Yeah, so we've got a sour. We have indeed, but it was one that I absolutely wanted to include in this lineup. And you're confident that this beer will not give you the Steve hashtag sour face. I am, and there are reasons for that confidence. I think I think you'll be right myself. Yeah. So again, three out of the five beers now collaboration between Lost and Grounded and Brooklyn Brewery. Who would have ever thought those two breweries? Collaborating on a beer, appearing on Tesco shelves. And it's a dry hopped sour. Yeah. And that's pretty it's pretty amazing, isn't it? But this is where my confidence comes from that I don't think I'm gonna go full on sour face with this because Lost and Grounded, known for their lagers, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they've they've done a few other styles, they've delved in, but it's essentially Everything that Lost and Grounded have ever done, 
has always turned out to style. And then you've got the involvement of Brooklyn Brewery in this as well. Not just Brooklyn Brewery. From what I understand, Garrett Oliver was personally involved in the design of the recipe of this beer and possibly even the brewing of this beer as, as, as well. So, again, another massive endorsement for what Tesco are doing that you've got one of the world's most recognisable beer personalities. I was going to say almost revered. Yes. As well as recognisable. In, in, involved in the collaboration that's currently available on Tesco shelves. Yeah, so I mean, this is a uh, 5.2%. It is described as a dry hop sour. It's, it says drink fresh. This has got a date of 1704-2020 on it, so I'd say we're pretty much nailing that bit. Um, I would say we need to get into it and find out what it's like. Let's, let's give it a try. Cheers. Okay, there's, on the nose, there's no sourness for me. You're not getting any at all? It's, if, if anything, it's subtle. Okay, that's really light. That's lovely. That is, that is actually lovely. That is um, slightly, lightly fruity. It's, I mean, the carbonation on it is really, really nice, but very fine. There's... There's no sourness on, on that for me. That's I, you're not even getting well. Maybe, right, so maybe uh, I think there's a slightly in the salty kiss mode of sourness. Yeah, tartness. yeah, it's 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 that, but it's also more leaning leaning more towards like a Berliner vice Yeah, type. I think sour I, than it is a full on face puckering sour sour. Def, it's definitely not that. It's it's it has had some. There is definitely some souring or that kind of thing, but it's very. Oh, yeah. You give this to, I mean, you give this to someone as a gateway to sour, surely. If I had the option for our sour show last year, which oh. was only, which was shortly after our second birthday yeah. show, you would that sour face would not have appeared. No, there's, there's, that that's not making me even want to think about pulling the sour face. Not making that, you reach for the Rennie either. That is just, it's incredibly refreshing. It's, there's, there's loads of citrus like you say it's really tight in its carbonation yeah. so it's really refreshing that that is a proper summer guzzler yep yeah. 5.2% still though so I mean it's a guzzler doesn't it's still I I would say I'd probably be going closer if you were doing this as the Beers Without Frontiers mystery beer or you know Rob and Robert Hopzine doing yeah. it I don't know if you'd better pick out 5.2% no are you thinking more or less? Oh, less. Yeah. Because I just think it's very light of touch. It's, it's really easy to drink. I mean, that that is that is an absolute triumph of a beer. And if if, if, if ever I was going to say this statement, which I never ever thought I would before now, I, I would happily be buying lots of that to have in my fridge just as a grab and drink beer. Okay, and that's all, folks. That's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Martin's achieved his goal. <laughs> We're stopping. Steve's going to buy more sour beer. Yeah. Um, so why we enjoy, or why I very much, very in, much enjoy, in, in, enjoy this this beer. Uh, let, let's dive into to, to what some of the folks have been saying about the last few shows. So first up, Will Watkins at Joy Your Beers just wanted to follow on from the anonymous comment regarding fruit in beers. They nailed it. As a home brewer, I know it is the most basic of all principles that you do not add anything with fermentable sugar in it to post-fermentation. You add it in primary or secondary. 
and you do not package that beer until the alcohol level has been steady for at least three days running and you can be confident it's finished fermenting. It's mind-boggling professional brewers are making this mistake. It's like it's like Tiger Woods forgetting to pack a putter. Okay, so this was obviously talking about the fruit and beers. And, yeah. and again, there has been, even since the last show, there's definitely there's still been a few more pictures appearing of lumpy beers. Well, I've, I've, I've experienced a couple of those and, as, as, you know, as well recently. I'm not a fan. Um, and I'm not saying it detracts necessarily from the taste. But I'm also not going to be drinking 440, 330 or 500 milliliters if there's lumps in it because I'm losing some of it. And also, we do know that fermentable sugars especially in cans, can cause a bit of an explosion as well. Dangerous and messy. Yes. So, yes, I, I, would, I would agree that I think I think there was a few comments attached to um, the, the anonymous comments that we read out on the show. Um, so I think it was a really good point. I can only take that so far because I'm definitely not I'm a home brewer. No, no, me either. I'm a home drinker. But it's, it's great that somebody that brews at home has um, taken what, that anonymous comment has said and related to it. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that was from uh, that's from Will Watkins at Drying Your Beers, who uh, supplied the show with some beers a few few shows he, ago. He did in, indeed, which we're still massively grateful yeah, for. Yeah, definitely. We'll bang on about that for every a long time. While. You probably comment, Will. Uh, Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden seventy three. Another brilliant show, chaps. Brew York is one of my favourite breweries. So good to hear. Um, of some of their beers I haven't tried yet. I also think the old lady should have a regular slot, another excellent interview in relation to the interview with Father Eric in the last show. Yeah, I think it's going to definitely be one of those things where we ask Danny, the old lady, occasionally to get involved. We're just going to leave your wanting just a little bit more every time. Yes, yeah. And I do hope one day I, I would, I, I still want to be able to go and meet Father Eric personally and, and, and have that conversation with him in that tranquil field. Yes. Yes, definitely. Because <laughs> that's all your picture, isn't it? Yes. Is the field. Yeah. Um, Mark at Kel Fired was obviously very excited that uh, we'd come <laughs> back after the Lost Boys episode. Woohoo! Beer O'Clock Show is back. Interested to see what they think of all the Brew York beer offerings. I think generally we were fairly impressed with the Brew York beers. What was it? We, 11 beers? Yeah. Was there a beer that we show? didn't enjoy in that 11? Um... I think there was one. We, I think there was one. One maybe one we weren't so fussed about. The one with the tong, the tonka bean came through a bit more. But that's a personal preference of yeah. ours. Yeah, was it any... very good beer? Yes. I think maybe the one for me that was the challenge was the Goose Willis, which I really enjoyed. Which made me pull full on fantastic sour. Oh yeah, you did want the Rennie at that point, didn't yes. you? Yes, that one. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought the the gooseberry came through beautifully on that one. Um, from Martin at All Time Martin. Good name. That's a great name. I like that. Great discussion about fruit and beer. Don't mind, but there's something amazing about getting complex fruity flavours using hops alone. And I think a few people said that, didn't they? I, I, I like that. I um, re- remember when I first started getting into beer, it was it was all about the hops. Well, wasn't and it, it? it was it was what what flavours can wasn't we get? Wasn't it amazing? But you yeah. were getting all these fruity flavours and then my automatic assumption was what fruit have you added? None. Yeah. Sorry. But but now it's like the fruit complementing Sometimes complimenting, sometimes overriding. Yes, dip- yeah. I, I think it comes back to the whole thing about depends on the beers. I still go back to the first one I really f- discovered which was introduced to me by you was the high wild grapefruit. Yeah. And I still think that one works. No, yeah, I don't. 
Um, Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 welcome back from your little break great show and love the interview with Father Eric and all your beer adventures looking forward to future shows more news more beer reviews Crimbo Crawl and Opinions 100 show well Richard's already um, confirmed he's going to uh, come up to Manchester yes Rich is coming to the Crimbo Crawl with us yeah so look forward to that it's going to be a good couple of days in Manchester that uh, Kat Sewell at Katrina's here in the Beer O'Clock show drinking a gooseberry beer is making me crave a troll tonga. Now, this is an interesting point because on the last show, and this was in relation to that Goose Willis, I, I think we both said, or certainly I said, I don't think I've ever had a beer with gooseberry in it before. Salty Kiss has gooseberry in it. Troll Tunga has gooseberry in it, which are both beers that I've drunk <laughs> on many occasions. And I've definitely drunk Salty Kiss. Yeah. Um, so I have had a beer with gooseberry in it before but I would say that um, Goose Willis is the most obvious oh massively gotta be massively yeah um, but I like I said I did really enjoy it and I assume that Katrina's who we know is a massive sour beer yeah. fan the more you said it was making you turn the more she probably wanted it but absolutely yeah I bet she was absolutely desperate for it um, Pete at Hops and Hoops uh, crying at the owl lady trying to tempt a Trappist monk onto beer Twitter. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. Um, to be fair, Father Eric sounded like he didn't care one jot about it all. Absolutely I was still not. impressed that Father Eric said rate beer. That's that's still the thing. You, you know, everything else that he, he, he seemed as though he didn't really care for, the one thing that he was worried about was the scores on rate beer. Or that he was aware of. He was definitely aware of, and I have to admit, I quite liked it, because I didn't picture, in my mind's eye, him saying, rate beer. Yeah. Now, the next comment also sparked a whole sub-conversation based on this one comment alone. So, Sean O'Reilly, at Uncrulia, official statistician of the show. Did about five texts. Yes. Uh, thanks for another great show to keep me occupied on the way to the peaks, which is dry and sunny this week. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Uh, I needed that reminder. Particularly enjoyed the Tint Meadow interview. I've just remembered the other thing I was going to comment on. I've sampled the Surrey Hills Sheer Drop just after it was announced as champion beer. I thought it was a very decent, fairly traditional English bitter. I could happily drink several pints of it, which is exactly what you want from this kind of beer. Whether I could pick it out as a champion amongst other good bitters, I don't really know, but that probably says more about my beer judging skills than it does about the beer. It has a respectable but not outstanding rating on Untapped. It's well known that Untapped ratings are very skewed towards big crafty beers, but this beer got me thinking about how the judges compare beers of different styles. I have to say that beer judging seems quite a fascinating and intriguing subject. Now, as you said, that was a number of tweets all squeezed together there and there are a few points in there that we'll come back to but that in itself spawned a number of other comments which then went on so first of all before you do that what do, what do you think so champion beer britain yes what's your feeling i mean because if we look at untapped then we know going back to that point we know that on untapped the ratings are very much skewed to those big one-offs 12 14 percent impy stouts you know, whereas your four percent session beer, whether that be keg or cask, will get the three point seven five maybe. Even though you may have then done a night of six six of them and you've only had a taster of the one that you rated as a five. What where where do you sit? It's 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 a difficult one because 
it's, it, I suppose it's the word now, it's, it's, it's the champion beer of Britain. So is, is Surrey Hill Sheer Drop the best beer that you can buy in Britain right now? Probably not. No. Okay, let's go with that. Was Siren's Broken Dream last year the best beer that you could buy in Britain? Probably not. But on a given day, at a given time, it was. And is that not similar to or akin to, and this, this, this comparison might shock you here, a non-league team beating a Premier League side because they've had their day in the third round of the FA Cup? Well, the analogy does surprise me. <laughs> so you are right there. Um, yeah, I think I think there is a, a certain aspect. I mean, a couple of years ago, what, a barley wine won it, and I, I, Coniston, and I'm not sure I've ever tasted it. I'm not sure I ever will, and I'm not sure that's the kind of beer that should win it because that's got to be quite hard to produce and get out there. And I'm not sure if the criteria has changed based on some of the other comments you'll be sharing. Yeah. Um, obviously. For Canberra, it's going to be a cast beer anyway. So that's excluded a number of other very, very good beers that are available across the country. I think a beer that you'll revisit or drink more than one of, it for me, works as part of that criteria anyway. Um, but yeah, even that, again, is it the best beer? I don't know. I don't... I don't think there's ever a case when that you could ever definitively say that anyway. Whoever wins, no, no, which is why the title is a, is is a, is a bit of a misleading title, isn't it? It's because it is of the moment, of the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot. I think a lot of people were pleased last year when Sirens breakfast out one. Yeah, because that was a little bit of a departure, perhaps. It, we, what you do see it, and you can find it in more than the one format as well, and. Siren, fairly modern brewery, that kind of thing, but doing a traditional dispense method. So I mm. think they were quite pleased. I mean, I didn't really, I haven't really heard of Surrey Hills or Sheer Drop myself. No, and, and I mean, we asked for people to let us know if they're the, yeah. the, the junket or not. But like we say, that that particular comment in itself did actually spawn a number of yeah. a, an actual discussion from it. So um, discombobulated at discombobulated. I've always found Champion Beer of Britain to crown what was considered an accomplished beer about five years ago. I've never understood how it functions, even when I was in camera, or how the beers that can enter are picked. So I, I tweeted that and tagged in Roger Protz. You did. Who very kindly replied. Gave us a response. And he said, beers do have to be regularly available, not a one-off. And the competition starts with local judging and winning beers of the festivals. The next level is regional, then on to the final round at GBBF. So it is a, it's a progressive competition. Yeah. Where a beer has to be firstly regularly available. So that's, that's all year round as well so you can't include seasonals in in that um it then has to have won its own local competition mm -hmm. to go up to regionals to win a regional to then make it through to the final stages yeah um and then ash corbett collins at corbett collins uh, also jumped in um all 1000 
191,000 members submit their nominations in various categories. These then are judged at local festivals against other beers in the region. Regional winners then go on to GBBF and GBBF Winter. As I assume Ash meant to say all 191,000 members can. Can, not they, not all of them submit. Because I'm yeah. pretty certain my mum, dad and my son haven't. Yes, yeah. Um, I do, My unsurprisingly I suppose. Um, and you can do it all online as well. Um, you How are, many times can you nominate Go Ship? Um, I'm not sure I can anymore because I'm not in the right region either. Because <laughs> it tends to when you do it online, it's uh, based on your camera region. Oh, okay. As well, so I I either can come under Mid Essex or South Essex. I'm not sure which one I sit in these days, um, but it tends to be sided on that as well. So you are limited to your regions which I suppose is where the regional flavour comes in as well which I suppose is a good thing because it means that the regional ones can get the into that, isn't yeah, it? can yeah. get into those latter stages of the competition um, also I still haven't tried it so I still can't comment no but the whole conversation was quite interesting yeah. in terms of how a beer makes it from being a beer to being a contender and also thank you to Roger and Ash for joining in the conversation yeah. as well Absolutely. Because they were actually able it's to valuable have to have that insight. A bit more fact based. Yeah. Whereas we're sort of guessing maybe what can happen, but that added a little bit more to what's going on. Yeah. Um I don't know if I've ever seen you drink a sour this quickly, Steve. I've for me it's not I d I don't know if it's a sour. It's classed as a sour and you have drunk two hundred and twenty milliliters of said sour in quite a short amount of time it's not giving me any characteristics from a sour but in, I can only still assume that there are elements of it which lend itself to being a sour yeah but it's it's very much it is very much a gateway sour oh yeah um, and I will be buying more of that and enjoying more of that I think again I think the only thing I would say is that there's a couple of these beers though which would definitely lend themselves to the hot summer months yeah which we seem to be coming out of now yeah, I, again, it's that thing. I, I just I feel like Tesco mi misjudged it a little bit. Yeah. This 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 round of beers should have been a month should have earlier. Been in April or I would say maybe a month or two earlier. Yeah. But there's definitely and again, I may not have enjoyed the North Brewing as much as some of the others. But I think as an afternoon beer, when someone's doing a bit of a bar beer, or you're doing it yourself, you could crack a couple of those. Yeah. I think those that sour would go actually quite nicely with certain foods as well oh absolutely yeah um, anything greasy that'd cut through yeah even though it hasn't got the harsh sour in it, it's got enough of it going yeah. on but this next one this next one so very much lends itself to winter months we've definitely done a, a range of beers here so good some good choices here so now we have a raspberry chocolate donut stout a rich dark stout with fresh raspberries and this is another naturally hazy beer and this is from Wildcard Brewery. It's interesting that it's it's classed itself as naturally hazy when it's a dark beer. Yes. Which you probably didn't need to bother saying that. No. Um, water, barley, wheat, oats, raspberry, cocoa nibs, hops and yeast. Okay. Let's get Looking this into the glass then. And again, I think this... Did this can stand out? I mean, it's a, a light, light pink label with a... Well, a donut in the middle. It is. Looks like a crispy creme donut. I, I, I don't get the triangle on, on the top of the labelling, though. And, unless it's something to do with the, beer, with, with, with the brewery. 
That I don't know either. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. But you can definitely smell it as I poured it. Oh my word, yeah, that's that's full on raspberry. Aren't you picturing though fruit covered in a bit of chocolate right yeah. now? It's 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 a it's a raspberry dessert. Wow, that raspberry comes through. That ticks all the boxes. Well, there's raspberry, there's chocolate. The one thing that's missing for me is a little bit of body on that, though. It's, it's a little bit thin. I oh, see. I don't mind. I don't need every stout to be thick. I don't need every oh, stout I, to be viscous. No, I don't need it. Be, need it to be thick, but I like it to have a good body. I don't want a stout to feel like I'm drinking a lager. I want a stout to feel like I'm drinking a a, a, a stout. Okay. I mean, I, I don't mind the lightness. It's five point eight percent, so it's still quite hefty in its uh, ABV. Um, it's got a very very bitter finish. It's got a very dark chocolate finish. Mm. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm not getting no, that. I'm getting that. No, I'm possibly getting more tartness on the finish than really? I am. No, I'm definitely getting dry, dry bitterness tones, but I think it's a fantastic beer. So it's, it's a fantastic beer, and let, let, let's just take a moment to go back over the beers that we've had. Yeah. So, 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 so once again, this is this is I've I've gone for my weekly shop. Yep. Yeah. And I've allowed myself a little bit of spending money and I've come back with six beers. Yep. I've, I've had a great evening. You've celebrated our birthday with a, uh, a breaded version of Punk. Then we've had a North Brewing DDH IPA. Then we've had a New England IPA, which is a collaboration between Brewdog and Cloud Water. Then we had a West Coast IPA, which is a collaboration between Vocation and Magic Rock. Then we had a Sour, which was a collaboration between Lost and Grounded in Brooklyn. And then we finished off with Wildcard, who have taken aside um, our personal preferences where we want it to be a slightly thicker mouth yeah. or not, has nailed a rich, dark stout with fresh raspberries. Everything it does on, says on the tin. It's, it's done. Yeah. Apart from maybe the donut element is missing to me. I'm not getting any of the... I don't see where the donut is in this. No, but you could say that about a lot of ones which use the associated food yeah. stuff sometimes when we were doing that one where we pay it, paired it with the actual closest food stuff so it didn't always tick the box did it mm-hmm. but giving yourself a little bit of artistic license and a bit of imagination in your head you can sort of probably get there yeah. but I think the raspberry and the chocolate come through brilliantly it it does £20 for that selection of beers yes A the breweries involved B the styles slash sub-styles. That I, in my wildest dreams, I could not have imagined that it could be part of a weekly shop. No, absolutely not. And if again, let's let's just take a moment to look at the breweries there, and not doing any disservice to the ones that I don't mention right now, but there are at least three there that are recognised as being world leading for what they do. Yep, Brooklyn. Brewdog and Cloudwater. Yes. Uh, 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 three of the most recognisable brands in the world right now. Yeah. I, I, I would say. Y- you know, that's not taken away from North, Vocation, Magic Rock, Wildcard, who are doing amazing things and who are very well renowned in the UK. But those other three are world renowned breweries that are now available in Tesco as part of a 20 quid weekly shop. Yeah. And to carry on about the supermarket thing, now the States have plenty of 
bars selling local beers, plenty of bottle shops selling local beers. But we have both commented on our recent trips to the States that we were amazed when we went into the supermarket with a range of different beers you could get. Yeah. I just feel like we're now getting there. We're edging closer to that, aren't we? Yeah. Where you can go, like now you can pick up four packs of your beers. Yeah. Um, I think we'll start getting to the thing where you're better in the States. It's very much, when I went there, it was like the six bottles. Yeah. In the little carrier, its own carrier pack. Obviously, that's now transmitting and changing and evolving into cans. But there does, from what I've seen, there does seem to be room for everyone if everyone is doing what they're best at. Yes. And, and I think, regardless of what you think of it, Tesco have got that and they're obviously riding a bit of a wave at the moment but I think they're just going to continue to push it I think there's more in terms of what they'll make available on their shelves over the coming months and years I think there's I reckon there's going to be another two releases this year where they're big on their social media for Domo beers I'd be surprised yeah because you're coming into autumn and then you've got the run up to the year end I, th- I think they'll pull out some big ones for Christmas. If the rest, if they, if they followed the rest of their pattern for 2019, then certainly. Yeah. So, first of all, Steve, well done. You put our £20 to good use. Thank you very much. These have been great birthday beers. They have. And this final beer lends itself very nicely to a question that we've got from a listener. Questions, questions, fill my head. But this is obviously from Paul at UNRCD, who this whole segment is essentially named after. Yeah. Um, do you put your stouts and porters in your beer fridge or do you just keep them in your cellar or cupboard firstly I'd love to have a fridge which I could just call as a beer fridge I I would love to have a beer fridge but um, apparently Michelle and the girls want food in their fridge as well Mm, disappointing I know Um, Um, I did go back to Paul and just said for clarification are we talking about storing or drinking yeah and he said drinking now I will personally I will probably store them in the cellar until yep. I know I want to drink them and then I'll put them in the fridge to chill but then I might take them out 20 or 30 minutes before I drink them just to bring them up a little bit because I do like a bit of a chill on a dark beer I'm the I'm pretty much the same with all my beers these days if I've got room in the fridge for certain beers I'll put them in there straight away but it's a family fridge so I don't necessarily have that but what I'll do is the beers I know I'm going to be drinking over a weekend or like tonight put them in the fridge, give them plenty of time to chill down. But the donut stout did come out a beer ahead of where it needed to be in the order we were drinking them. So yeah. it could come up a little bit. It is nice. It is cellar temperature now rather than fridge temperature. I'm not sure that works for it. You think this one is suffering because it's cold? No, I think it's suffering because it's warming. You think it would be better? I think, I think that what, because of the lightness of body, ah. the, the, the lack of body for me is, is just making it like a really sweet, Beer. Oh, okay, because I'm not. In, I'm enjoying the lightness of body anyway. No, I'm not. I, I, I still want some thickness from this. I, I, that's the thing that's lacking for me. Okay, well, for, for, for this. But in answer to the question, most of my beers over the last two or three years have made their way into the fridge at some point before I drink them. Okay. Yeah, I think I think most of mine do as well. But I would again, I'll take them out at varying stages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would do the same, but that generally my rule of thumb is the beers I'm going to be drinking next have usually appeared in the fridge. Something, something nice and big and like that's maybe barrel aged. 
I, I, I almost like to, I, I like to keep it in the fridge, take it out the beer before I'm going to drink it. So I'll be drinking another beer while it's warming. Yeah. I'll have those first few sips while it's still a little bit on the chill. But then I'll enjoy it slowly as, as it begins to warm, warm. And you do, you do taste the change in flavours well, pro- as, as it warms. There's a progression, isn't there? Yeah, and, and sometimes that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I, can, I, can, I can definitely goes. see that. No, it's a good question. If anyone else has any questions for us for future shows, just let us know. Yeah, use the hashtag opinions. And that's how you get involved in everything we do is just using that hashtag opinions. Now, before we finish our birthday show, because it is our birthday, we have a little surprise giveaway for our listeners. Um, Thornbridge have been kind enough to give us a, a Jaipur t-shirt so it's an extra large so that might instantly rule out many people in terms of whether they want to enter this competition or not so, so we, can, we can enter still then we can, we, can, <laughs> we can still enter so we have a extra large Thornbridge Jaipur t-shirt up for grabs um, all you have to do is DM us and tell us how many pints were given away or sold at Peak Ender this year. So not given away. Let's be clear. Last time we did did a giveaway, the question I asked was a little bit ambiguous and we had to go with a number of answers. So I'm going to re-say so, that. Right. Are we saying how many pints of Jaipur were consumed over Peak Ender? No, not Jaipur. How many pints oh, were pints. sold at Peak Ender? We did mention it. You did mention it. Earlier on in the show. So there's a clue there. Um, go back and listen to the beginning of the show. Uh, DMS, uh, let us know how many, and we will draw that one by the end of September. Yeah. Probably probably on the show. Let, let's do it on the show with Leon C. Okay. And, and we'll so get them to draw a winner for us. Plenty of time to get your votes yeah, in. Two your, shows, your numbers in. Two shows at least. And presumably people can enter more than once. Uh, no, they can only enter once. By only enter once. That's it. One DM, one, one answer. One DM, one answer. Better be accurate. Yeah. Steve's been harsh on this one. Yeah. It's a circa number. So, brings us to the end of the show, mate. Brings us to the end of our third birthday. It's been a good show. It has been a good show. We've got a little bit of um, raspberry stout left. Yeah. Raspberry donut stout, sorry. Raspberry chocolate donut stout. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. It's been a long show. It's been, been a lot long of show. And, you know, we're getting old. We're free. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next the next show is a another studio show before we hit the road big time. It is, yeah. We're not sure what we're doing on the next show. No, yet. no, that's um, fine. But then, as you say, we are going into four, four shows on the road. Four shows Try on the road. It's going to be a nice bit of variety there. I, I think there's going to be some great content in I there. I think there's going to be a few special guests as well. Lots of special guests. I mean, we've released most of them, but there's a new one in which there. Which we haven't which, released. Which we haven't released, uh, which we will probably keep quiet for now. I think we'll definitely be keeping quiet about that. No spoilers, Steve. No, no spoilers whatsoever. Hashtag no spoilers, Steve. Um, mate, I am very much looking forward to the next year of Same here. Um This has been a great birthday show. And we look forward to more and more listener engagement as we go forwards. Definitely. So, cheers all. Cheers. Three, that's a magic number. Three. It is, it's the magic number. Three. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community was born three, they stub at me, and that's a magic number. Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure. Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music in a measure. Measure in the music, racing three parts. Casually see, but don't do like the soul.